0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Path to Glory, a Warhammer Underworlds podcast that focuses on competitive gaming, player development, and community growth. I'm your host, Amon Kusro, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jonathan Davis.
1: Hello, everyone.
0: So, for reference, this episode was recorded on September 11th, 2019, R.I.P. to Our Fallen Heroes, and it's right after the Dreadfane release. Furthermore... We just got back from the Nova Grand Clash, as well as the, I suppose, newest announcement about the upcoming competitive play for Beastgrave. Very exciting yeah. times for Underworlds, wouldn't you agree?
2: Yeah,
1: it'll be very exciting to probably go to that event next year. So. Oh, yes.
0: Yeah, yeah the uh, you, you're talking about the Grand Battle?
1: Oh, yeah. I I thought know, the Grand right.
0: Masters, I'm sorry, yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I was yeah,
0: referring yeah. to like all the rules dump about like Shade Spire doesn't cards aren't legal anymore.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, it's I'm cool. very excited for that too.
0: Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. I'm, I, we'll talk. We'll get into it in a little bit, right? But I think first sure. we're going to start out with uh, community shoutouts. And so, Jonathan, I know that this is your thing, and uh, you've got some self promotion to do.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I was uh, actually recently on the Battle Mallet podcast. Um, I think you were at a wedding, um, and uh, it was me and the guys from the Battle for Salvation podcast guesting on the Battle Mallet podcast, so it was a, it was a pod squad episode, and uh, we talked about the Nova Open experience um, from more of a preparation and the social aspect side, um, and I just really can't speak highly enough for the event in general and just how fun it was. So um, if you are interested in that, I would definitely give that a listen. Um, it's a fun group of people. So um, then the next thing that we have is I just wanted to spread the word a little bit. The There's actually going to be a grand clash, a one day grand clash in Texas um, at the Warhammer Citadel, which is located in Grapevine, Texas. This is on the 29th of September. Um, they haven't really given us a lot of notice, um, unfortunately. I guess it was they, they're, it's their one-year year, uh, anniversary, and they are planning a number of large events. Um, so, uh, But it is going to be a full Grand Clash. They are limited to about 30 uh, people, um, so it may fill up. So you can make it. Um, DFW is pretty easy to travel to the... Citadel is, like, maybe 20 minutes at the most from the airport. I would definitely recommend going. This should be the last Night Vault Grand Clash, you know, probably ever. Um, And it's actually going to be the only one where the Dreadfane warbands are allowed.
0: Um, um, um.
1: I know. I did ask, and um, they did say that they should have an official ruling on how the rules interact. Um, I think it's safe to assume the lady harrows probably inspire uh, after they finish charging. Um, So Uh, I guess you were going to bring them (laughs) at least plan for that. um, And then if they, you might be pleasantly surprised, but I'm not sure. Uh, But that information (laughs) should be uh, available before the event. Um, I know they're working with uh, the corporate and stuff to get all those details. So,
0: yeah, it's Uh, really interesting that they kind of, kind of dropped like they kind of hinted at it like very early on and then there was just like no communication for months and then like all of a sudden you see something on facebook and you're not really sure and then like warhammer community drops an article and you're like that's not even a month away
1: yeah it was definitely surprising luckily i live about 10 minutes away (laughs) yeah well i live about
0: two and a half hours or three hours yeah so it's not too bad of a
2: drive
1: yeah, hopefully some of the people from the surrounding states will be able to drive over. And uh, I know there's a few people already that uh, are planning to fly in. So if we can hit 30 people, that'll be great. I mean, I think Gen Con was about that. And uh, so was the recent Scottish uh, Tabletop Scotland. So.
0: Yeah, I think that one was 28 and then Gen Con was 26. So.
1: Yeah, yeah. So anything around that would be great. Um, it's always just great to get more games and stuff. So
0: <coughs> I know I get like get all uh, that loot. Matt Martine from Crit Defense might be coming down.
1: Yeah, um, I think so.
0: And then Tony Field from the end phase. So, you know, it's yeah. not just going to be a whole bunch of people who live in Dallas, Houston, and Austin. Hopefully it'll be like a combination of local and, I guess, national talent. It should be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, I'm excited for that. Um, and uh, they did also say they're going to have a number of special prizes that are unique to this event. Uh, because it is the one-year anniversary of the Citadel, which is the largest uh, Warhammer store in the United States. And f- probably North America. So.
0: North America, for sure. Yeah, I, I would probably even say the Western to the Nottingham
1: Hemisphere. One. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's only second to the store they have in their their HQ in Nottingham or whatever. That place is huge. Yeah, and it's, it's nowhere near that. But <laughs> it's big, and it has a coffee shop, and uh, the staff is great, so... If uh, anybody can come out, uh, they should.
0: Does it have its own version of Bugman's?
1: Uh, no. It has um, uh, basically coffee and uh, non-alcoholic drinks. So no and spirits? No, no. <laughs> Lots of coffee. And uh, I believe it's like locally sourced coffee. It's I drink it all the time. It's great. Um, and then the, all the bakery stuff is from uh, a local bakery that's like right down the street. So. Oh, that's cool. It's all good stuff, for sure. So Uh, it's a
0: local gaming store supporting local business.
1: Yeah. Love it. Yep. I think that's it for that event. Um, Love to see any of you guys there. I know we will probably both be there. And uh, I think that's it for the community shout-outs this time.
0: Yes. I got my ticket. I know that there's about – last time I checked, which was yesterday, there was like 14 left. So um, halfway there, I guess. I'm not necessarily sure if I'm going to play as of yet. Um, I've been just kind of burnt out in general and been traveling yeah. a lot and playing. But, you know, the competitive person inside me is like, just get a ticket just in case.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I need to decide whether or not I'm going to play the uh, Godsworn or the Eyes of the Nine. So
0: Honestly, uh, I feel like when in doubt, go Godsworn.
1: Yeah, it's true. I definitely have more um, experience with them.
0: But if you win this event with the eyes, you'll be a god.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. I was I was joking. I was I was telling Matt about the event, Matt Martine, and I was saying we should all play Eyes of the Nine and give them their first win. Yeah, it's assuming one of
0: us
2: wins. which. No,
1: I mean everybody. It's probably conspiracy. not going to be me.
2: Hashtag bad luck.
1: But it'd be really cool if, because uh, I don't think God's Sworn or Eyes of the Nine have won. Um, and i know a lot of people want to bring godsworn so well, I, I think, think uh, the
0: thing about godsworn is that they have the capability to win an event i yeah. just think it really 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 comes down to can you roll enough crits
1: yeah and they're they're good but it's i think they're difficult to do well consistently
0: yeah if and, if, if if power unbound was still like non restricted oh boy mm-hmm. you know
1: Yeah, and we'll get into that. That, I I really like them right before that, and then it's interesting that even though they didn't really get that many nerfs directly from the Banned Restricted, the way the meta shifted, I feel like they're actually in a worse spot than they were before it.
0: Yeah, I think so. Um,
1: Which wasn't something that I initially expected. But um, let's let's move on to what we hinted at earlier. Um, There's been some announcements on how the game will be functioning from now on, really. Yeah, that's a great
0: point. So, uh, if you didn't hear, Warhammer community posted an article, uh, I think it was yesterday, about the future state of competitive play at uh, or for Warhammer Underworlds and I guess the biggest announcement is that season 1 universal cards will no longer be playable in competitive format or organized play, which you know, came to surprise to a lot of people. Um, A couple people, including both of ourselves, kind of guessed it early on, but I've been genuinely surprised and pleased by seeing the positive responses from it. I think it's really great for the game, and and Jonathan obviously will get your input, but one thing I really wanted to mention was that every competitive player I've spoken to, uh, whether that's someone who frequents their local store or travels around to tournaments and events like we do, they all think it's a great change. Furthermore community builders think it's an excellent change because it's easier for newer players to get into the game you know it it builds your community and because our podcast is designed around community growth and competitive gaming i mean this feels like a huge win for us you know at least in my opinion
1: yeah yeah i I agree i actually know um i have a friend that i was uh, i've i've like showed him the game before and he's played with my models and stuff like that and I basically, when when, uh, they made the announcement, I told him, hey, if you ever wanted to get into this game, now is the best time because you don't need, you know, 18 different boxes anymore. You probably, really, probably all somebody needs to get into the game right now is the new starter box and then power unbound. And then I, I think you could probably get away with, like, Thundrix and Git's And maybe like one or two other boxes, depending on like which warband you want to focus on first. And that's like, what is that? Like maybe 150 bucks to to get into it. And so, I mean, he pulled the trigger. And I'm going to try to be getting as many other people in my local area to do that as well. Um, And so, I mean, I just think it's great for that. And then as, you know, a competitive player who has all of it, I have all the cards, I have all the board, you know, I have all this stuff, um, you know, and that's money. I just think it's great for the game because it's going to freshen everything. You know, I'm, I'm kind of tired of Escalation and Ready for Action. I'm not going to miss those at all, even though they're great cards. So
0: The best part of it is that you can still play with the Season 1 Warbands. If you're really yeah. attached to Magors or Farstriders or Chosen Actress, which is like a weird fetish for a lot of people then <laughs> get out there and keep playing those guys. I mean, they can still use the universal cards from <clears throat> uh, Night Vault and now Beastgrave, and their faction-specific cards in the Leader's Expansion are fine too, right? So I think mm-hmm. that's my favorite part, is like if you want to play with your whole collection, great. And if you want to go buy some of the older warbands, I think that's where you might have a little bit of trouble. But at the end of the day... Like, I'm sure you can get a lot of stuff online or from third-party sources, and for the people who are like, oh, I feel like I'm not getting my money's worth, um, I'd like to challenge you, right? Like, you play a game designed as the ultimate miniatures competitive game. It's been marketed and branded as such. You got into that, whether you knew it or not, because of that. There's a very clear winner at the end of every game, and... For people to say that, oh, you know, like, my collection is invalidated. Well, no, it's not. Like, you made purchases, and you got a warband. So you got beautiful plastic miniatures that are easy to build and don't have to be painted. And then you get a whole bunch of faction cards that come with them. And a lot of those packages had, like, a lot of crappy universal cards. So, like, I know a lot of people just bought Chosen Axes for Ready for Action Mm and Earthquake right so if you want to go buy the old warbands you can if you want to play with the old wins you can and honestly if you really really want to use Shadespire, night vault and beast grave then hold your own format no one's stopping you but if you want to be recognized as like the best store player for an official event or go win a grand clash or a grand battle or even the grand masters then you're going to have to adapt and that's the hallmark trait of a competitive player being able to adapt to the meta, and being able to adapt in-game. And I think that's really important, and I think it's a great step for the game. I mean, this is something I've been wanting since March, and we hadn't even seen the last two warbands yet, or Power Unbound.
2: And I'm really (laughs) glad that it's
0: come to fruition, because, like, can you imagine playing with Ready for Action and Shard Gale and uh, (laughs) Rebound for another year?
2: Yeah,
1: I would would
0: go crazy.
1: I didn't even really play much of season one like i i came in right at the end of uh right at the end of season one and i'm already tired of those so i couldn't actually imagine you know if i was this was the second year like i'm i'm done with them now
2: <laughs> yeah like
0: no so, and then person, since someone who's been playing from the beta or like not the beta but the beginning
1: yeah like, yeah
0: can't do it no more
1: <laughs> right and like you said i i do think it's really important that they are allowing the warbands to stick around because and i think i would have been a little upset if they didn't. Um, and the really cool thing to me there is uh, as the universals change, it's very possible that we might run into a situation where some of those war bands like come back as being competitive and there might be like a dark horse at certain events where like, like, Oh wow. Re- Reavers did really well again. Or like, Oh wow. Like chosen axes can actually kind of do something. Um, Cause they actually have great faction cards. It's they just have some problems in the current meta and stuff. So um, I, I'm, I, I'm nothing but excited. But um, I also think that, you know, people on the Internet just like to make crazy memes and complain. And I don't think people are as upset as they could be.
0: Yeah, I mean, I hope so, personally. Um, but, yeah, I think it's great. I think it's great for the game. I'm very excited. Yeah. And I'm sure there'll be like, it just opens up more design space, right? And I'm sure there'll be ways in which players can... Like, see cards that are perhaps maybe familiar, but different um,
2: right, right.
1: because there's there there's no way to make a card or I mean, we we don't want them to make a card that's better than ready for action. Like that would probably be bad for the game. Um, yeah, I think so. And if they didn't make cards that were better, then our decks would just stay exactly the same as they are now, so, right, or you know we'd cycle in the slightly best better card for the you know the card that replaced it. but. Yeah. So I don't know. I, we probably don't need to belabor it. Like I think it's obviously a good thing. Agreed. Um, so, um, and then I think we actually had a tidbit of information come out today as oh, well. Yeah.
0: The beast great book. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I saw that today and I was very excited because like, I don't know about you, but like, I love, I'm a collector. So like, I love all the promo stuff. And yeah. so I have everything that I've been able to get my hands on. And if, even if it was at a time where I wasn't playing the game competitively, like, I've gone on eBay and bought these things, right? Because, like, I really like them. And um, there's these three special cards. Um, They all have to do with Cataphranes, because um, I think it's, like, a theme here. Like, we want, like, the Cataphranes are around.
1: Well, and they're books, I think, right?
0: Oh, that's right. Well, no, yeah, Relics.
1: Well, because the Black Library.
0: That's right. Touche. Well played. Games Workshop.
1: (laughs) They know what they're doing.
0: (laughs) Oh, they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're really cool because one features a Beastman, which we know is coming. And then one features, I guess they're called the from The Wild Hunt. And then the one in the middle is the one that I found particularly interesting because it looks like it's a character from another warband we haven't seen yet.
1: Yeah, I think so. What do you think it is? A gross, smelly warband.
0: (laughs) Yes, I mean... Yeah, you know, there was some debate online, and people were like throwing some out. Some of them were like spot on, I think, in my opinion, and then some were just like outrageous. And I'm like, guys, it's fat, it has green skin,
1: <laughs> right.
0: it looks dirty. There's green magic. Oh, and by the way, there's like a tongue tentacle-looking thing.
1: <laughs> like, right. It's obviously a high off <laughs> No, yeah,
0: yeah um, Nurgle's coming, guys.
1: Yeah, I think oh.
0: so. If I had to put money on it, at least.
1: Yeah. It seems unlikely they would just put that card there, uh, just for fun. You yeah, because I think I don't think there's any, any, any like person on any card so far that isn't one of the fighters. That's Except maybe the Cataphrain robot thing, or not robot statue guys, and that's just a Shadespire thing, I think.
0: Yeah, well, there's another one, right? Where like I think it's a promo version of singled out, where it has like Shond wearing Cataphrain armor like the relics
1: oh yeah yeah that's true that was the one time
0: where i was like who is that and then someone was (laughs) like oh it's shawnd and i was like oh the sword yes
1: yeah and singled out is like what have a lot of three upgrades or something i think
0: yeah three upgrades on one fighter
1: yeah so i think it's just shawnd like being fancy you know
0: that boy Shawned. that (laughs) rolls fury when you need him to but looks cool doing
1: it my girlfriend was looking at the model for him and she calls him thunder thighs he, is, he has quite a strong stance. <laughs> so, anyway, um, <laughs> I think yeah. that's it for our uh, community and Underworld's news. cap. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah.
0: Let's get on to Nova.
1: Yeah, Nova Open.
0: Nova Open. That was a lot of fun. We were roommates. Yeah. Hung out. You, just, and you didn't like
1: snore that. too much or anything, so...
0: I'm good. I'm glad to hear that, because <laughs> I do have a snoring problem when I drink. Boy, oh boy, did we get some drinks.
1: <laughs> there was some of that, yeah.
0: Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, So, I guess, you mentioned the social aspect on the Battle Mallet episode that you referred to earlier, but yeah. it would just be nice to, I guess, hear your opinion again on what you thought that social experience was like.
1: Yeah, um basically i thought it was great um and uh, really i guess what i'm comparing it to is we went to atc in june i think um and that was a lot of fun but it, i would say there was more of a serious element to that it was more of a team element we hang out we hung out with davy a lot yeah and that was great um but it wasn't uh, as much of a party i would say as nova felt um Every, nova just felt like everybody that was there to have fun and they were all there for the same thing and then it was cool because as we've um i guess like grown in this community and done the podcast and we're active on the facebook's and the discords and all that um we've kind of grown to know some of these people and uh some of them we were meeting for the first time and then other people we had seen at previous events like uh randall from the Battle for Salvation podcast, Mm -hmm. Um, but it was just really great to meet and hang out with, you know, a bunch of other people, like, I think we had, like, 10 or 12 of us at one point at one of the dinners, and, uh, you know, we all just liked the same thing, and it was great. Yeah,
0: it was really nice. I I think out of all the events I've been to, this is my favorite, perhaps Adepticon being my second favorite, just because that was the first time I met, like, Tony and Randall and Davey but it was cool man it was like hung out with battle mallet battle for salvation um you know jimmy was there you know and it was it was just really cool to all hang out as a group and just yeah just kick it and you know obviously we're all there for a reason we want to win an event and we're playing competitively but we didn't like let that interfere with our social moments right and i thought it was really cool because like we would all like Play our heart out, and like some people played each other, and like obviously one person would lose. And then we would all just like go grab pizza and some beer and then like kind of laugh and talk about it, and then talk about our personal lives as well as the game and the event and the function. And then we would all go to like the top floor of the hotel where that charity bar was, you know, like Mm -hmm. anytime you bought a drink, like I think it all went to charity. And so, as you can imagine, like when you're drinking, especially for a good cause, and you're hanging out with people that you probably see once or twice a year. It got a little rowdy, and it was a lot of fun, and it was really cool just to see, like, Games Workshop employees and non-Games Workshop game employees there all just hanging out and mingling and talking and drinking alcohol, which is always a good time.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. We um, we got to see James Monk again, um, who runs the a lot of the GW events. Uh, he was at ATC, mm-hmm. so that was cool. I think you'd seen him a couple other times as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, I've seen him at – I think I saw him at Gen Con as well. And then yep. we got to hang out with Pete Foley again, um, yep. who is, I met him at Adepticon. And I just have to say, he's like the nicest guy ever. Like, he's just so friendly. Like, you don't have to know him. You can yeah. just come up to him and he'll indulge you, right? Because, like, he just cares about this community and his, and particularly Games Workshop games, of course, a lot. And so I just remember, like, I went up to him and he recognized me and he was like, hey, Mon, come here. And we had a conversation. But then, like, you know, like some of the guys from the Battle Mallet had never met him before. And yeah. he like talked to them just as he had talked to me. Like, I don't know you, but we're gonna have a great conversation. And that's what I love about these type of events. And I say this every episode, but and even on my blog, Warhammer Underworlds community, and to an extent, a larger part of the Games Workshop community is some of the best around. I know that there are some games that can be quite toxic, but at least when it comes to Underworlds, like I love it, and I love the people who work for Games Workshop when they're a part of it, because like they're just so much fun.
1: Yeah, and it definitely just seems to be getting better as time goes on, so I couldn't be more excited, really.
0: Oh, and obviously special shout-out to Dean and Duncan Bills, as well as Victor, um, who were at ATC, uh, and then one of them is always at another event. So I know Victor, uh, Duncan, and Dean were at Adepticon, and then Mm -hmm. Duncan was at Gen Con, and then the three of them were at, again, as I mentioned, ATC, so... Really cool, honestly, and um, had some great games against them. Uh, yeah. and I know you did too. I think you played two of the three.
1: I did. Yeah,
0: I played one guy twice.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they're cool. always uh, they're always great games against them. And um, the other we saw the Battle Mallet guys, Jared, Jason, Trace, uh, Max, and Randall from Battle for Salvation. Um, I met a couple of the guys from the. Uh, Reddit, Discord chat, um, uh, Castle Mac Coach and Raggy yeah. Paint. Um, I think there was one more person, and I'm just terrible and can't remember Castle. They were.
0: Castle Mac Coach was the guy with the glasses and the bandana, right?
1: Yeah, I, yeah. He, he was I, cool. could, I can't remember his friend. He had a friend, and I don't know if it's somebody I should know from Discord or not. But
0: the one thing I remember about his friend is that he still has a flip phone, and I was like, <laughs> Why do you? Maybe he's not. I was like, hey, I, I was like out of curiosity, is that like your bat phone? Is that like your secret phone? Or your gaming phone, and he was like, "No, it, like it works. So why throw it away? If it's not broken, don't fix it, right?" And I was like,
1: "He's probably man. he's probably not as addicted to Facebook as I am."
0: <laughs> Dude, you're on Facebook and Discord I, a lot.
1: I have a problem. <laughs> like, anyway,
0: any post that I feel like responding, I always make sure that you haven't responded on it, because like <laughs> usually we'll, we'll come up with the same answer. So if someone's asking like a technical right. question. I'm like hold on before I type out this paragraph has has Jonathan said something yet and like eight <laughs> times out of ten you have
1: I've tried to cut back mm-hmm. <laughs> so he says yeah we'll see we'll see
2: <laughs>
1: but yeah it was great to see all those guys um I don't think we met, we missed anybody uh it was actually cool I got to meet um someone that actually lives local to me uh Thomas and uh we'll be able to play more games in the future and uh stuff there as well so
0: yeah we get um, to you kind of hung out with the group a little bit yeah and then we also met your i guess friend your local player um oh yeah
1: yeah yeah john uh john Rupp Rupp was there as well Rupp.
0: is it Rupp? Yeah. oh i put cup yeah, yeah.
1: he my was bad. there he um he you got to play him once and then i think he was also playing uh, imperial assault and apparently he qualified to go to worlds for that so that's pretty cool
0: yeah, it's weird how all of you in Dallas, Fort Worth area, are named John.
1: That is true. In our local play group, we have two Jonathans and I think a John and a... a I think Johnny? A I think we have a Jason, too.
2: Uh-huh.
1: I don't know. In my local friend group, I have a Jason, a Josh, and then there's me, Jonathan. So, like, I, it, it, I don't know I what's happening. I just
0: going to be Jamon from now on.
1: <laughs> Jamon? <laughs> I don't know about that. We don't need another Jack. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, but we digress. Um, yeah. One thing I'd like to point out is that this is probably the most stacked Grand Clash I've seen in the United States. Mm. There was any one of the guys that we've mentioned could have won this event. Um, we had some great people, some great decks, and some great play styles. And, um, you know, there's been articles on the end phase, and we've talked about it briefly here. But it really just comes down to preparation, execution, adaptability, and luck, right? And so I guess we'll start with preparation. And we'll kind of talk about like, what we were looking for when we decided the fact, like, what factions we were going to play and how we kind of prepped for it. And yeah. um, I guess, Jonathan, do you want to go first? or?
2: Sure,
1: I can go first. Um, so it was kind of interesting, I guess. Um, this was not the first uh, Grand Clash with the full Night Vault set. Especially post banned and restricted, it was actually the third, because we had Gen Con, uh, which was the first one, and then we had the week before we had Tabletop Scotland, right, and then we had Nova. Um, so, for me personally, at first I thought I was going to bring Godsworn, and like we kind of mentioned previously, um, pre banned and restricted, but post. Power Unbound, I thought God's Form were really, really good, and then I think the results from one of the UK Grand Clashes showed that, because um, uh, about three of them made the top 16 cut, Yeah, and I think a couple of them were undefeated.
0: Gerard, um, the Professor, Tom yeah. Bond, and John. Speaking of the Professor, he was at Nova too.
1: Yeah, yeah. He was was great just moved to, move to, to Connecticut
0: well. from London, so hopefully see him around more.
1: Yeah, hopefully. I think uh, I think he is going to try to get to some of the events next year. Okay, so yeah, then, so basically I was going to bring Godsworn, and then I felt like with the and Restricted, I felt like Gits and Ghosts um, sort of moved into what I felt was the number one spot. And I think the main reason for that was a lot of the pure aggro and the magic was toned down, and then they were able to not lose their fighters as quickly And then that let them score their objectives. And because of that, the amount of glory that those two warbands were able to get um, was pretty insane. Like, um, I was playing against ghosts or with goblins. I was frequently getting over uh, 20 glory. Yeah. Um, Because a local, the local guy I mentioned, uh, Jonathan, has been playing ghosts. And then uh, one of my other local players, uh, Robert, um, has been playing a lot of goblins. And he actually was at um gen con and i think we talked about some of his games with jimmy um they had a really close game um and so basically i I decided that even uh my were just not gonna cut it and i thought about running Gits, but another local friend of mine uh tim was playing a lot of magors and he was just wrecking me every time we played um i think i beat him i think we played like three times and I beat him once, but it was really close, and then the rest of them were just blowouts. Um, And so I decided to go to the Profiteers. And the interesting thing about that is um, you had been playing them a lot, and I got to learn a lot from your experience with them. Um, Because you were playing them very aggro. Yeah. And it seemed like, although that was very powerful, um, it kind of had a weakness of if you try to starve them out early game and they don't score anything and get inspired, um, I'm not going to say they would automatically lose, but it was much more like up in the air. Right. Um, Like a lot of their advantages were sort of nullified. Um, Because if you decide when you go in on them and if you can kill one or two of them before they inspire, uh, it gets very difficult for them to function. Because they need those activations to score through their deck most of the time because it's attacks and things like that. Right. Um, so what I ended up doing was sort of doing a combination of your deck with Shard Gale and uh, I think you had Lethal Ward or Encroaching Shadow. I ended up taking Lethal Ward. Um, I had all three. Okay. Yeah. So I just took those two because I decided that I wanted to counter objectives more than I just wanted to like randomly kill something on the edge hex. And then I basically just tried to take as many combos as, As I could that didn't require um, like the enemy to do anything like if they hit in the back I would still be able to score like shortcut and cover ground I would just need to have the cards that I needed to trigger them and I was basically just prepared to aggressively Mulligan for those cards at the beginning Um, and I also had bag of tricks to help me draw those cards and I tried it a few times. I played against some gores. I played against some Malag games with the local guys. Um, I actually got to play, um, I think it was Jared, um, from the Battle Mallet, um, a few games. And it seemed like it worked. Um, I sent it over to Michael Carlin. And he actually, he was the one that said, you absolutely need Bag of Tricks. And I was like, yeah, you're right. And So I put that in there. Um and then uh, I guess I thought I was ready, and I felt like if they were aggro, then just how, you know, I would just shoot at the enemy, and that would be fine. If somebody was control, I was hoping I could power up with passively and then beat them. And if they were objective, I think Shard Gale, Iron Hells, Double Shot with Rapid Reload, and then Lethal Ward were hopefully going to be enough to clear out all those bodies with ghosts or gets or something. Right. I also had one step ahead to try to stop a superior tactician or supremacy or any of those big scoring cards that I thought might be telegraphed.
0: How often did that go off for you?
1: Um, I think I stopped a supremacy. I think I stopped. hmm, Honestly, I may have only stopped a supremacy. Um, I think I stopped one superior tactician. Um, I wouldn't say that it was like clutch or anything um i feel like maybe i would have done almost as well without it um but i still like the potential of that it gives so i think there are some matchups that maybe i just didn't see or it would have done really well um i think in practice games i i think i was playing against uh jared from the battle mallet and i think i stopped his keep them guessing on the third round and that was his sixth objective that he needed and that stopped his superior tactician too Nice. so so that was like really cool but um at the actual event i don't know if it uh i don't know if it really won the funny thing is that i didn't really think about is if i play it and i roll a hammer or a crit and i name an objective the other player doesn't have to tell me that they had that card so a lot of the players there just said all right cool and then they just didn't score the thing so i'm pretty sure i stopped a couple cards but (laughs) i don't really know um but it also failed a, a couple times failed against jimmy and it failed against uh duncan i think i think wow. i also guessed wrong against duncan uh, oh did you because uh, i knew he had oath of conquest in there somewhere um, but i think it was the last card <laughs> on the bottom of his deck so uh, i ended up not needing it but it's a cool card and i think that you know with your experience with that card at atc um i just felt like it was worth a the, the risk
0: yeah, it's a great card when it works, but it definitely feels bad when it doesn't.
1: Yeah, yeah. I just try to look at it like a bonus when it does work and not worry about it when it didn't, so...
0: Right. That's kind of how I felt with Rebound. Yeah. And then, like, sometimes you really want it to go off and it never does,
1: so. <laughs> Right. Just tell uh, it. You, you don't have to roll a crit if you don't want to, and then... So yeah. 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 Well, like, even, <laughs> even at
0: ATC, right, like, whenever I played One Step Ahead, it was, it was a nice to have, and the only time that I needed it to go off... Well, there were two times, actually. Uh, one against a Molog Tomes, which it didn't, which would have won me the game if it had. And then one in the final, so I'm not complaining, but I'm just saying, like, technically he couldn't have scored it anyways because you can't go and guard twice, but. Oh, yeah. The one, yeah. The one time I needed it to, it didn't, so.
1: Yeah, that was a really cool moment, for sure. So, yeah, what did you. Uh, I guess there's enough time on my deck. What did, uh, what did you bring? Or how, yeah, what did so, you think you were going to see, and how did that form your decision, you know? Yeah, yeah,
0: sure. So, um,. After Gen Con, <clears throat> I was actually really disappointed because, like, it was like a fringe deck piloted by a great player that kind of took me down. And I really feel like I would have – I should have taken it. Um, but, you know, things happen, and I kind of went back to the drawing board, and I was like, well, out of all the decks I've played, like, what did really well? And, like, obviously, you know, Malog, but I refused to play him. And uh, there was, like, thinking about Thorns, but I was like, I just don't have enough reps with them. And then I kind of came across the Gits, and I started playing them for, like, two, three weeks. Just playing them online or, or with in person, and I was doing really well. Like, I built this, like, deck with a stupid amount of glory. Every game I was getting, like, 22-plus glory. Um, and it was just, it was kind of dumb, but one thing I realized was, like, people are probably going to bring Shard Gale. Yeah. And I just yeah. was kind of afraid of that. Or if, like, a Molog just gets going, you lose. And I just didn't want to rely on cards like Cruel Taunt, Forceful Denial, <clears throat> or even, re- <coughs> sorry, even Rebound to like help me win games um, against Moloch particularly. So I kind of right. shied away from it. And then at one point I was like, you know what, I'm just going to play my Profiteers again. Um, I have enough reps. I know what I'm doing. And then I was talking to Tony Field, and I was like, man, I just don't know what to play. And he was like, isn't the event in like two days? And I was like, yeah, it is. And I have no idea what I'm doing. And he was like, well, you know. And we kind of went back and forth. And I was like, you know, like, I'm kind of, it's, it's between like Profiteers, Curse Breakers, and Gits. And he's like, but you haven't practiced with Curse Breakers. I was like, no. He's like, well, why do you always keep coming back to them? I was like, because I've just, I played them a lot in the beginning. And I've played against them even more. So, like, I just kind of know how they function. And he was like, why don't you take the Curse Breakers? And <clears throat> so, like, went through a couple iterations of the deck, um, had him take a look at it. John Reese take a look at it. Um, the worst part is like when you give it to two people and they both give conflicting <laughs> like answers or like views.
2: Um, <laughs> yeah. So
0: you yeah. kind of have to like either go with one of theirs or kind of take your own path. And I kind of did something in the middle where I was like, I like this idea, I like this idea, but I don't know if it'll work together. So I'm just gonna like kind of do what I I'm feel comfortable with. And so I built my deck to first and foremost destroy objective warbands. Yeah. <clears throat> like I have mm-hmm. I have seeking stones in my deck. Um, that's, that's like Night Vault's version of, like, was it Ensnare?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah.
0: Yeah, right. So, like, I know that, like, if I can get that off and I can just start whacking some dodge or dodging fighters, like, it's a boon to me, right? And I think the Curse Breakers, one of their largest weaknesses was, like, engaging because they're a bit slow. But Mm -hmm. also, I was like, I don't want to play them uber defensively because I don't find that playstyle fun, even though it might work. Mm -hmm. And so... I was just like, I'm gonna play Cursebreakers and I'm gonna figure it out. And then I guess remember we, even when we went to the hotel, I was like messing with my deck the morning of. And you're like, what are you <laughs> doing? And I'm like, I, I'm still building my deck. And you're like, oh, okay, I've built my deck a month ago.
1: And I, I, was I like, think. I think it was like a week, but or it was it was really like that Tuesday <laughs> that I was still working on it. But
2: oh well, I think I was you like
1: were working on of. it like in the room before the event started. <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah, I remember I came up to you right before the event, or, like, like right before, like, time, and I was like, all right, yeah. what, like, these three cards are these three cards, and you were like, eh, I don't know, and then you picked something, and I was like, but I like these three cards, and then you were like, yeah, just go with what you want, and I was like, right, uh, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah, and it was really funny, because, like, I guess I kind of knew at the back of my head that I wasn't going to, like, perform as high as I had hoped, just because Nova was the first time I had played Curse Breakers since like before even ATC. Yeah. Like I had I had theory crafted, I had like and I was like very intimate with their playstyle, but like the first time I had ever just played them, I think since like right after Adepticon or at least before ATC was like game one at Nova, which is like not something you should do. Um <laughs> yeah. You
1: know, like well I we was we also, um, this is something that I would talk to with John a little bit in our interview. Um, you were also for a while trying to win with all the war bands. So yeah. like once you, you really didn't have time to practice one, you know, curse breakers over and over again. Cause you, you were winning with orcs, you were winning with eyes, you were winning with all kinds of crazy stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> which i have to get book.
0: articles about them on my blog by the way i know there are people that still message me to this day and i'm oh, sorry no, yeah. i've been busy but i'm gonna figure it out or i'll do like an abbreviated version but mm-hmm. um yeah and so like that's the thing right Is like i feel like i'm very comfortable with just playing any warband and obviously like profiteers are like i enjoy them the most which is why i play them the most but like for me i think one of my strengths as a player is that i can pick something up very quickly and that's why i hop around a lot um I'm not like a one-man warband. I'm not a one-man warband, but like one love for a warband. Like Dean, for example, he only plays Thorns. Um, I couldn't right. do that. I would get right. bored. Um, yeah. take, you know, it's just not for me personally as an individual or a player. <clears throat> so, I mean, I, I, I went for like a deck that like shut down core like objective warbands, but also like could win me any game. I think my biggest problem... With my deck, which you'll hear about later, was that I didn't I didn't anticipate there to be a lot of curse breakers. Uh, for some reason, I don't think either of us predicted that there was a total of eight curse breaker players, and four of them made it into the top eight.
1: Yeah, yeah, that is correct, um, and and it is really interesting because the popularity of curse breakers is fairly low um, right now, um, especially compared to like where it used to be. Um, I honestly think that what happened was just kind of kind of randomly you and jimmy and uh ivan and victor, victor. i think victor likes to play curse victor's been playing a them
2: for a while yeah
1: yeah and i'm not sure maybe ivan has as well and i know he's a great player um but i i, I wouldn't have expected to see that you know as many as um were there um right now in, in my stats curse breakers are about 10 percent of the field which is a little above the what the average would be if it was perfectly even, right? You know, there's uh, Thundrix are at like 15, so I would have expected more of them. Ghosts are at like 12, so I would have, you know, there were there were a lot of thorns there. I guess I can't call them ghosts anymore because there's Lady Harrows. Um, That's right, you can't. <laughs> but the thorns of the Briar Queen um, were, and I, I actually think they are still one of the best war bands, and I expected to see more of them after John's win in uh, Scotland with them.
0: I did too. I yeah. thought there was just going to be a bunch of them and like a, a <laughs> couple yeah. people who were like playing Gits. for some reason. I felt like there was going to be a lot of Godsworn Cause I just know that like, it's a favorite and there were a couple, but yeah. I mainly, I mainly expected to see Molog, Thorns, uh, profiteers and guardians and maybe guardians, not so much. Cause they're not like where they used to be, but I mean, there's still a fairly decent war band and, yeah. um, uh, also I, I did imagine I was like there are probably gonna be some Reavers players just because of like
2: <laughs> the
0: hype. <clears throat> so I was ready for it and uh, one thing that I feel like I didn't do was Tech for the Mirror because right. I was like I'm gonna be a mid range, aggressive curse breaker that interacts with my opponent on their own terms. I went very spell heavy. Uh, half my I had five spells in my in my deck and I had a lot of cards that went around like Either casting spells or eliminating enemy fighters with spells. I mean, I took Sorcerer's Scrying as a restricted card. Um, that's mm-hmm. how much I was em- emphasizing the spells. And um, yeah, I just, like, if someone could out passive me, they won, which is weird because, like, I felt like I could out passive most people except, like, objective based warbands, which is, like, I was tech to destroy. So it was uh, it was uh, a poor meta call on my end. I think combined with, like, not necessarily taking the event as seriously as I probably should have uh, and not getting in the reps uh, led me to, for the first time ever, not play in the final, which was kind of funny. Um,
2: yeah. But,
0: you know?
1: And, I mean, it's given the state of the – really just the quality of the players there, um, the quality of the, the top eight in particular um, after the cut – like it was so stacked that uh, I, I wouldn't, I, I guess I'm not, I don't think you should look at it as a, as a bad thing. Like yeah, well, no, all no, of those I, games were so I'm not saying it was bad. Uh, yeah, yeah.
0: There's a lot of draws. I just felt like if I hadn't played mm-hmm. Curse Breakers, I would have made it to top table. I, I really believe that. Um, yeah,
1: I, I. that's that's an interesting thing to think about. I think I agree. And I think we'll go through the matchups and maybe make, maybe that'll become clearer as well.
0: Sure, yeah. Do you want to go first or you want me to start?
1: Um, <clears throat> why don't we let you start? Um, why don't we go through the first four rounds and then we'll talk about the cut a little bit and then uh, we'll talk about the, the last day.
0: Okay, sounds good. So um, my first game was against actually a friend of mine that I've actually not a friend, but we've met over Facebook. And uh, his name's Keith and he's a really nice guy always messaging me with questions and we go back and forth and so you know i'd met him right before the event and he was like hey man great to see you in person finally and i was like yeah man good luck and um you know as luck would have it i faced against someone i knew off the bat as does things happen at this event <clears throat> and so he was playing a like the hungering festering build of skaven
1: Oh yeah, yeah.
0: And I hadn't really played this build in a competitive environment. Like I'd seen it in action. You know, a lot of the times I practice with Carlin and Tom Bond, so I've like seen them play. And while we're talking about it, and so I kind of I knew how it functioned, and I had read, um, is it Nick Ramon or whoever made the the deck?
1: Mad uh, Sculls. Mad Sculls. Yeah, Yeah, Madscov.
0: Yeah. So I, I I knew how it functioned, right? And so I was like, okay, just kill that scritch or figure it out quickly. And so that's kind of what I did game one is I went in and I just was like pretty aggressive and flung some fulminations around and would whack at Skaven. And, and, you know, Keith kept bringing him back, but I didn't see crown of avarice. I did see expendable, but I didn't see Crown of avarice. And I was like, Oh, I guess he bottom decked it or something. Um, And then I got, I just killed Kirk, killed Scritch. And there was no last chance. And even then he was still able to score a lot of glory. And I was he even scored Supremacy on me, and I was like, damn, probably shouldn't have taken Distraction out of my deck like 10 minutes before this game. Um, so, yeah, so first game, it was 20 to 15. It wasn't as uh, like as big of a win as I wanted, but I was just happy I got the win, and I was like finally getting the groove of playing Curse Breakers again and uh, understood how his deck worked. <laughs> so the second game, I was like, okay, well, I kind of know how this works. Now, these are the mistakes I made. Let's not do those again and let's move forward. And I just like obliterated him. I just went in and I killed everything. I killed Scritch because um, I guess he didn't inspire Scritch or didn't have the cards to. And I was just whacking, whacking, whacking and shooting spells. And then the game ended fairly quickly, uh, 21 to 4. So, oh, um,
2: wow.
0: yeah, I just I got my groove and I figured it out. And, and you, <laughs> I guess I understood the matchup, right? So.
1: Um, yeah, and I, I would say that... Uh, I think that is a really good deck um, in general. I, I mean, it's obviously, it's going to depend on what um, exactly what cards they have in there because there's actually a lot of different ways to build that scaven deck. Um, but I also don't think it's at all an easy deck to play. Agreed. Um, so uh, it's actually pretty impressive that uh, like Michael Carlin did really well with it at uh, the other uh, this tabletop Scotland event. Um, and I've, I've got to play against him a few times with it as well, and it's 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 scary when you have a really experienced person behind it.
0: Yeah, and and not to say that Keith wasn't. Yeah. Maybe his cards came out in the wrong order. Uh, I know they did the first game, which is a pitfall mm-hmm. of the deck. It's a risk you take. But. Um,
1: yeah, and that's any kind of like combo deck that relies on particular cards. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: So that was that was my game one. I'm just gonna run through the next couple games. Uh, game two was John Rupp, who was your friend from
2: uh, yeah, yeah.
0: DFW. And so for me, it was like, okay, f- I was excited. When I saw Thorns, like a lot of people groaned, I was like, hell yeah,
1: let's go. Yeah, I bet.
0: <laughs> and I was like, um. so the first game, uh, he he actually won board, I think. No, I won board the first game. No, no I think he won board both games, and he long boarded me both times, which I was kind of disappointed, but after the set when the second game started i knew i had to pick a board that had like uh starting hexes closer to each ends and so mm-hmm. he did that and uh i was like okay well this isn't gonna be that fun but i was able to kind of line up the objectives to where like i had reach with i put storm sire kind of like the furthest back just as so like obviously you want to protect him but also like he can fulminate someone off that objective if i need to and so i got aggressive with amos and, Rastus and um, slapping down uh, Chain wraps. He failed the last chance. I was able to get the Overhanged, and then he, like, I don't know what card he thought I had, but he, like, forced my hand, if you will, by making me play an early Shard Gale. And then, mm. um, Spear of actually, like, eliminated a Chain Rasp after I had eliminated already, like, two or three of them. And then, it, he was just, like, for an objective-based Warband, when you have, like, four fighters left, like, it's not gonna... And one of them's not the overhanged you know, because mm-hmm. I've learned that the overhang with cleave can like rip through your guys. So you gotta be careful. And that's just kind of target priority. So I won the first game, 18 to five, second game, one boards again, he did. So he long boarded me. Uh, this time it was a lot closer. Um, he was kind of wise to my tricks, if you will. And um, I failed a couple fulminations or not empowers, excuse me, which kind of slowed me down a little bit, but uh, it, it was a tough fought game again. Like, I think I drew Shargill very late, which helped kind of put the game in my favor towards the end. But he was able to get, uh, I think, Supremacy off and Our Only Way Out. No, that was mm-hmm. a different game. That was Randall. So he didn't get any of that, but he got a lot of the, the instant scores and the Queen was doing some work. So it was 21-17. to 17. So closer than I wanted, but happy I was able to go 2-0-2-0. 2-0. <laughs> Third round. Well, this was an interesting round. Um, this was Victor. Uh, who's like he's part of like the dean and duncan's group and they were on a team at atc and he was playing curse breakers and he has this really cool warband it's like he converted them to where they all like one of them has narvia's head one has Tarash's, one has vortimus's so they look like (laughs) stormcast oh
2: um
0: yeah it's pretty cool um well how do you play
1: eyes of the nine then
0: <laughs> I don't know. I
2: guess probably doesn't.
0: <laughs> I don't think he does. See? Yeah,
2: yeah. I guess
0: we know what he did with his models, and so yeah. That was a good game. So first game, well, it was going really badly for me actually. Like I lost Amos early, and like he just like he would do the diagonal board with like three or four hexes in the middle, and he would pick. He would always pick a board with like block hexes, and then he would just like camp in the back, and he ran like. A Destiny to Meet, Formless Key, and uh, Hero's Mantle. So like, oh, wow. So it was like a deck that just was like, I'm going to score a couple things, and then I'm going to sit in the back and I'll I'll win, right? Because I get three glory at the end. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and I was like, oh, that's frustrating. So I went up there, did what I needed to. It was pretty close, but I got this really crazy combo where I scored like Two of my cards, which went into combination strike and victory after victory, which, like, won me the first game 14 to 12.
1: Oh, wow, that is close.
0: Yeah, I was very, very close. Um, and then the second game, he ran forkle Formation and Magical Supremacy, and I didn't. Um, I think forkle Formation is great for a defensive Cursebreaker's deck, mm-hmm. but it's not good if you're trying to be aggressive or, like, make the most out of your, act- like your attack actions. So... He had that and he had Magical Supremacy and Harness the Storm, which I also did. So, like, his deck just, his deck could win without engaging. Just if he got the right cards or if he just cycled every turn, he would win. And so I had to get a little bit creative and I got in there and I would have won this game, but I made a misplay where I went, so Amos, his Amos was like in the corner hex trapped. And so I played, I had hidden paths and I was like, I can either go for a Storm Sire, I won't kill him. Or I can go for his Amos and kill her. Um, but I swear I made a mistake. He like put an upgrade and reacts with 34 action, then he killed my Amos. Um,
1: oh, wow.
0: I was like, I don't know why I didn't go for Stormsire, but it doesn't matter. At the end of the game, we were tied 17-17, both on one objective.
1: Um, oh, wow. That is close. <laughs>
0: super close, right? It's like he doesn't yeah. have a lot of aggressive tools, but I don't have a lot of his defensive tools. And, like, mm-hmm. those upgrades would come in clutch. And, you know, it's, it's it's really crazy to see how, like, Three Glory can make such a big difference. But it does. And then in the third game, we had about, like, 15 minutes left. Or I think eight minutes. And we were just like, I was like, do you want to go through this or what? And he's like, well, I'd like to play because at this point in time you're, you're winning this round. And I go, okay, that's fair. Like, we've played great games. They've been really tough. We've taken our time. I owe that to you. So we played the game. <clears throat> and this is where I got a little bit frustrated because like he had a lot of his like passive scoring and uh like i i finally got in range and i had like gather the storm sphere of actually sorcerer scouring and strange demise and combination strike in my hand and so i was like Mm -hmm. okay he had like one fighter with one health left and so it was going into my turn or into his power phase when time went out and i said and he goes okay well i guess that's time and I was like, and I kind of made this face, and he was like, "Do you want like do you want to do something?" And I was like, "I mean, I kind of do, but then like the T o walked by and he was like, "Hey, no more playing. you guys are done." And it was really unfortunate because like if I had just played my cards, I would have won that game.
2: Mm-hmm. but yeah.
0: you know, like I think and we talked about this I think yesterday and earlier this morning, but an hour and a half is just not enough for very high level competitive games. I mean, it's not even enough for like the average player, right? Like, like there's a yeah. lot of stakes here. We've traveled to this event. Like, it's a, like, and you know, people are saying, well, you should finish your games, but like most people who won 2-0 would finish with like 15 minutes to spare.
1: Right, right. Is, uh, uh, for me, I mean, I do think there is there is probably a valid point uh, in that. Like, everybody should just try to play faster. Um, and in some of my games, I set a timer, especially my later games, because I realized like. In all the games I went two oh with, I would not have had time for a third game. Um, so eventually, I started setting a timer. Um, but you really have to move at a pretty breakneck speed, especially depending on what kind of deck you have. Um, like if it has a lot of stuff going on in the power step, um, things like that. Um, like I think you just need more time. And I mean, and you know, we're I, I feel like we're pretty good at this game, and we we generally try to play pretty quickly. Um, and I. I, I wonder, like, what the percentage of games that go to the third game actually finish. Um, and I wonder what the balance is between, like, do we actually just need 15 more minutes um, for a third round to finish? Yeah. Um, because if, if most people aren't finishing the third game, then I don't think the problem is most people. I think the problem might be we don't have enough time.
0: I think so, especially because Victor and I are seasoned competitive players and we go to organized events. Yeah. At the very least, if you take our isolated example uh, and you kind of magnify it, like we know about time, we've played three games in an hour and a half, sure. and this was like a very tense game. Every role mattered, and it was just like we still couldn't finish. So, um, it's a little unfortunate because I, and,
1: I and you definitely weren't the only one. Um, there were numerous tables um that ran out of time and just ended and i don't know if maybe maybe at a lot of these large events maybe they're kind of lax on their time like i'm not sure well Um,
0: i think i think every round in a competitive event needs to force a winner because like at, at this point like tying is like you win one i win one it doesn't matter what the glory difference is um because we've tied
1: maybe i mean i don't mind ties in the in the swiss section of the format as much um but I will say that having a game end um, because you ran out of time when neither player can really say that the other one was trying to go slowly, like, it just feels bad. Like, it's just it's not satisfying. Because the fact that the game went to a third round meant that it was close. Right. Um, and then when it ends, like, halfway through, it's just whoever, like, sort of happens to be winning at the it's time. Just whoever draws
0: better and whoever gets the objectives they need, right? Like, it's what it comes down to.
1: Yeah, and I mean some warbands just score more early, and other warbands score more late. So I mean, yeah. it, it, like Molog's
0: a great example. He can score very early on, but you can beat him. You just have to kill Molag.
1: Right, and I I don't think uh like, I don't think there were any examples at Nova of people trying to play slowly on purpose so that they would win that third game that way. But I mean that is something that somebody could try to do, and I think. a I think
0: as we've mentioned previously on this podcast, like if someone is trying to do that, it's your duty as their opponent to call them out and involve a TO. So, oh, I don't want to digress too much because we still yeah, have a lot yeah. of content to cover.
1: I also um, just think that it's the responsibility of the event to make sure that it's providing its players with enough time to like actually compete. So, I don't right. know that yeah. is it, it, I don't think we're the only ones that thought that and it'd be interesting to see if, you know, maybe they could squeeze an extra 15 minutes in because honestly like the time to like calculate scores, double check scores, you know, reshuffle your decks, set the boards up again. Like, that might be, like, 15 minutes of the, that 90. So you're really only getting about 25 minutes per game. Right. I don't know. And part of it might be also that it was, like, 8 o'clock at night on a lot of those games that we were playing. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah,
0: people were tired. But let's move on. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sorry. No, no, you're good. So fourth game was against Randall. Randall Slate from Battle for Salvation. And he had tied his game as well. So yeah,
2: they had we, also
1: run out of time.
0: Yep. So, there were two ties that round, but there were multiple ties during the event. And so, obviously, we just played the other person. And so, I went into Randall, uh, and this was a, a fun game. Like, we, we obviously, Randall and I had never played each other, and we were excited to play one another. But at the same time, like, I saw he played Thorns, and I was like, I got this, just because I built my deck to beat Thorns and Gits, right? So yeah um it was it was still fun um first game he i guess didn't know what i had in store and so we were playing the game and i was able to stop him from getting the objectives even though he had three and then we were just going back and forth and uh he played very well but i i got down to like shard gale and like started stacking my objectives and flying spells around and um when he saw seeking stones he just laughed (laughs)
1: <laughs>
0: he was like are you you had
1: um you had the seeking stone lightning whip combo right
0: and hand of sigmar
1: oh my god <laughs>
0: and i got it off uh in the the, uh, the first both games actually
1: um oh no
0: and so like i'm just like flying around like doing two damage ignoring his dodge and like even when you have two dice rolling a crit is difficult you know and he was like and he was literally looked at me he's like you really built your deck to beat Thorns, and I said yes, I did. And he goes, "Well, it's nothing I can do about it." Um, so first game, <laughs> and it's 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 like it's it's true. Like he's a fantastic player, but it just
2: right, right.
0: It's like the matchup. Like I I I built it for that matchup. So it was eighteen to four. Um, it just goes to show that Thorns can still score a lot even when things aren't going their way. Uh, and then in the second game, he was able to score Supremacy and. <laughs> our only way out in, like, the first turn.
1: Oh, wow, uh, yeah. And I
0: was like, wow, you just got seven glory. Uh, strangely enough, I think I was able to hold him back. Uh, and I might have the games confused, so I apologize, uh, Randall, if, if your version is different, but I'm sure you'll talk about it on your podcast. But um, either way, like, it kind of just went that way, and then I kind of, like, got, like, a good hand, and I kind of just went to town. And,
1: yeah, because you skewed so hard in that direction um, with shard gale and then a number of ways to do one damage and like i had cry thunder also yeah and withering right yeah we'll we'll have all the decks in the show notes and everything yeah so (laughs) you're set up to just just keep killing ghosts
0: yeah and i had unmaking too so i was like oh my gosh you know so like um (laughs) and i had two innate lightnings one was a gambit one was upgrade um
1: yeah that would be an extremely difficult hill to climb i think with uh the traditional uh, Thorns deck.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I <clears throat> was able to do well. And, uh, uh, you know, at one point Randall was like, hey man, like you've obviously won this. <clears throat> and I was like, hey, I, I know, but I would love to play just like to time, just so I can get glory. And it was a super cool sport about it. Very kind. And just kind of went through the motions um, as a gentleman, just so that I could kind of up my glory count if I needed to. Um, which I think I did by like two or three glory. And so, I won that one 22-8, and I felt pretty good about the Swiss round. I think I was clocked in at third or fourth. I think I was third going into Mm -hmm. day two. Yep. Uh, So I felt really good about it, and I was really excited to see what was going to happen going into it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess I'll go through my games real quick. Um, So my first game was against Josh Schmidt, um, and he was playing the Thunderish Profiteers. So this was the first mirror match of the event, um, which it would not be the last.
0: <laughs> yeah, we were sitting right next to each other. Yeah. And I remember you both were like, oh, a mirror match.
1: Yeah, because yeah, it's one of the interesting things about this game. And it's something that I'm going to think about a lot more going forward. If you're playing a popular faction, you're going to see the mirror match. Yes. And you absolutely need to be ready for it. And I don't think that I was. But I think that I was fortunate in that typically control will be aggro. And I was playing control and usually profiteers play aggro. Right.
2: Um,
1: and then the interesting thing about the profiteer matchup in particular that makes it extra miserable um, compared to other mirror matches is whoever starts scoring first powers up so much more than the other person because of the health that the profiteers gain. So as soon as I started scoring, you know, a few objectives, my guys became really, really hard to kill. And his guys just had a really hard time um, chewing through them because actually Profiteer damage is relatively low um, other than Draxskewer. Skewer. And um, the other thing that's really important in any mirror match is going to be target priority. And I made sure to try to kill Draxskewer as soon as possible in any time I played against Profiteers.
2: Um, right.
1: Because once you get rid of the 3 damage, um they're usually doing one or two and that usually means that it's going to require one additional attack, which means it's like twice as hard to kill you. Um between the rolls in those in these games, um really just went my way. Um like we would both have wood armor in our hand and he would roll and he would miss and then I would roll and I would hit and then like The game was fireball. Yeah, like and that and that's basically what happened to him. He was a good player. Um, I don't like. It's hard to say like either of us really made mistakes, but because my deck was a little bit more passive and I had like, he can't stop me from shortcut. Like if I have the card, I'm gonna get it, and it doesn't require a dice roll. And the same goes for cover ground, change of tactics. Like I, I had a lot of like, I'm just gonna score them. Um, there's not really anything that could happen to stop me. And then between that and then like my roles just were better in the first round. I think both games, um, I ended up winning both of them. The, um, the first one was like out of control. And the second one um, I think was a lot closer, but they they were good games. And I mean, really everybody I played at the whole event um, was just great. Like I didn't have, there were no rules issues. There were no like uh, arguments or anything. And it was, it was just great. And he was, he was great. And we got to talk about profiteers and how terrible that merit match was. <laughs> so, um, I'd love to play him again. Um, the next, and I don't know what my glory differential was, but I think it was pretty high after that. It was like, I think I was in the twenties or 18 or something like that after both the games. I don't really, I haven't really kept track of that. I don't know if, I guess maybe I should, but, um, the next match was against Duncan bills who I had actually not gotten to play before, but he was at ATC, and you were playing against him while I was playing against his brother Dean. Okay. Um, and, all, and normally he likes to play Moloch's mob, but I guess uh, a friend of theirs was using uh, his Moloch, and he was playing the God Sworn Hunt. Um, and this was a really interesting game because in the Godsworn Hunt versus Profiteers matchup, the, the way that the Profiteers gain health um, usually counters the way that the Godsworn Hunt gain uh, damage and accuracy as they inspire. So if I can inspire as quickly as they can inspire, I'm usually going to win the fight. I feel like that's how the aggro matchup goes, at least. Um, because I don't have a ton of damage outside of Shard Gale, um, and then just attacking, and I don't have any accuracy, I'm not. I wasn't really sure if I was going to be able to kill him. And then in the first game that we played, um, he basically like just killed everybody. Um, he killed, I think he killed one or two fighters in the first round. Um, I think it was my iron hail and, um, Lund is who he killed in the first round. Um, and then that's when I realized that he's also going to have uh, worthy deed and worthy kill which is two glory for somebody with four health and then one glory for killing somebody with four health.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so what I actually did in that first game was with Drax Skewer and Lund, I just never inspired them because you actually get to decide whether or not you want to, um, according to Thundric's card. And it says you can inspire one. So I just didn't because I was pretty sure he had that card somewhere and I it was not worth the... Uh, two glory if he killed Drackewer and <laughs> he had four health. Um, I did have great fortitude and Tome of Vitality in my deck. And what I did is I put them on Thundric and got him up to seven health. And then in this, and then I just scored all my passive stuff, like keep them guessing, uh, hidden paths, shadows, death, or uh, into shortcut and all that. Um, and then it ended up with, Actually, I hadn't scored shortcut yet. Um, it ended up with he had like three fighters around my uh, Thundrick, who I think still had like six or five health, something like that,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, into the last round, and uh, it, it was either very close or he was a little bit ahead, I think.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and then what I did was I thought about for thought about it for a minute, and I looked at the cards in my hand, and I I had won the roll off to go first in that third round, but I let him go first. And hit Thundrick for about six health or so. Oh. He got him down to one. Wow. And But I was pretty sure he didn't have a way to actually kill him. I was pretty sure it was going to take two.
2: Right.
1: And then what I did was I equipped the bag of tricks on the Thundrick, And then I played Shadowed Step onto an objective that was in the middle.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Shortcut.
0: Nice.
1: And then I wasn't going to be able to score anything else. But I had the crown of avarice, so I put the crown of avarice on Thundrick, and then played the.
0: uh, And Duncan was playing no cards, and when you were.
1: Well, he didn't really have anything to play because usually Godsworn um, don't have too much. Like usually it's like plus dice, you know, trap, pit trap, that kind of stuff. So he didn't really have anything he could do to interact with me. Um, uh, Actually, what I did was I put bag of tricks on. Then I activated, I pulled out the Crown of Avarice. I put the Crown of Avarice on Thundric. And then I had Lethal Ward, and I actually killed my own Thundric.
0: Nice. And got
1: one glory. And that denied him worthy kill, worthy deed. So that was like, I got one glory, and he did not get like five glory. (laughs) Right. That's huge. Yeah. So that was crazy. And I I hadn't actually thought of... um, that you could really do that. Um, I actually had to look at lethal ward and see like, um, like, can you, can you do it on a friendly fighter? But you absolutely can. Um, so that was kind of strange, but even though I was wiped out, um, I won that one by a few glory, um, due to that cowardly lethal ward. <laughs> um, and then the second game, I, my fighters didn't melt quite as fast. Um, But he was able to score um, Worthy Deed off of Draxior because this time I inspired him to try to kill Shond. But he rebounded me. (laughs) Um, And then he ended up scoring Worthy Deed and um, I forget what the card is that rewards you for rolling two crits. Um, I don't remember what it's called if you roll two two crits in your attack roll. Sorry, I was
0: on mute, but it's Peerless oh. Fighter.
1: Peerless Fighter, yep. Yeah. He scored that and he scored worthy deed and he killed my fighter. Wow. Um, so it was like I'm surprised Flory. he took
0: Peerless Fighter like <laughs> I guess gonna rolled a lot of dice.
1: Yeah, he had Haymaker and he had like I think if you're going to play it at all, I think that's the deck to do it in. So. Right. Um and so that one was really close. He killed a bunch of my stuff. I actually thought I was going to lose and I was like, we should play quick. So I think we're going to need a third game. Um, and then that one had a, another weird um, situation where I had a, this combination of cards in my hand and I ended up moving uh, the little guy. Um, what's the, what's the worthless dwarf's name? <laughs> um, you're muted again, but uh son, I think. Um, yeah, yes, I moved, it's Garrett Allenson. Yeah, Garrett Allenson. How
0: Allinson. did you win a grand clash and not know your boy's names?
1: <laughs> he was just the one that died over and over again. <laughs> right, right,
2: right.
1: Um. So yeah, Garrett, uh, I moved him towards a uh the lethal hacks and the uh, and an objective. Then I played seek the sky vessel, moved through the hacks, scored calculated risk, ended on the objective. And then I put Crown of Avarice on him and killed him with (laughs) Lethal Ward again. So somehow I did that in both games. Wow. And it ended up like... What was Duncan's reaction? I think he was just, like, surprised. I was like, I have not thought of this before, and it worked twice in a row. And he's like, yep, that was a really good play.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, but, like, well... Because, like, Carlin did it a lot with his Hungering and Skaven, right? And I didn't know... I didn't know Lethal Ward could... Uh, kill your own fighter, um, but I'd never thought to do it in like to my in my profiteer deck, and so.
1: Yeah, that's true. I, I honestly probably wouldn't have thought of it if it hadn't been for the hungering Skaven stuff. The, yeah. That. but I had Lethal Ward, I had Shard Gale, so like it actually turned out that like Crown of Avarice is really good with Shard Gale as well, and I think this happened a couple times in the event. I would just put Crown of Avarice on somebody with one health, and then when I shard to hurt the enemy, like I would lose a fighter, but I was going to lose him anyway, and then I would just gain a glory. So, right. it's Crown of Avarice is really good.
0: <laughs> I bet.
1: <laughs> kind of silly. I mean, it's it's um, a
0: really good card. I I don't know why you wouldn't take it in your deck. Right. Right. Especially yeah. when you have like low number of fighters.
1: Yeah, I think the fewer fighters you have, uh, the better it is, because <clears throat> uh, otherwise I'll just ignore it. But, um, all right, well, that's it for the second game. The third game was against, uh, Duncan's brother Dean. Um, and this was an interesting game because this was on the second day, um, of the event. And, um, I think that my deck in general is favored in the matchup because I have shard gale, I have rapid reload. I should be able to kill a bunch of ghosts. Um, I don't have a ton of accuracy, but they're not usually that hard to kill until they inspire. So, Um, I was pretty sure um, that I would do well. Um, But we had kind of an interesting situation where um, outside of the game that we were playing, um, I think I was actually kind of distracted um, because I was trying to set up my computer to record the game. um, And then we had a strange situation where they thought they were going to need to move the room that we were playing in. And so they made us go down like three or four flights of stairs and then they just, then they figured out no we actually are in the other room and then right. we all went back up and um
0: well I remember you got really flustered because you were like yeah. you had like set up your, your 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 recording stuff and then you had to pack <laughs> it all up and then like the right. moment we got down you were like trying to scan for a place to set it up again and they sent us back up and I remember yeah. I asked you I was like are, are you okay and you were like yeah yeah I'm just I'm just really annoyed and I was like okay and it was just like I, I yeah. guess I was—I remember I was surprised to see you react that way. And after hearing your game in person when we were talking about it in our hotel room, I remember you said that like that really affected your gameplay. Um,
1: yeah, I think it did. Um, which
0: I, I thought it was—it was odd, but you know, I guess you had to like—I can see also from your point of view like you set something up, you're excited about it, you have to take it down, and then you go back mm-hmm. up and you get to do it again. So.
1: Yeah, I, yeah. Think, I think that looking back, I think that I was trying to do too much. And then when things Agreed. didn't go according to plan, um, I probably let it stress me out. And then um, when I got to the table, I wasn't really in a great um, position to actually play the game. And I, then I think I made a number of mistakes um, in the game. Um, they were both very close games. Um, Unfortunately, Dean was suffering from a migraine, and so he also made a few mistakes. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we were both we were both just like in terrible condition to play that. Well, you game.
0: said your cards also like kind of bummed out in the wrong order, right?
1: Um, so it's I, I guess it's a, it's difficult to say because of the mistakes that I was making. Right. Um, it felt like they were breaking, but I wouldn't say that this deck is simple because it has so much so many cards need to be used with other cards um i made a number of mistakes surrounding keep them guessing um like i should have went on guard earlier because i had change of tactics and then when i realized that uh, i had charged before i went on guard i wasn't going to be able to score change of tactics um with two different fighters right uh well so you know I needed to go on guard with somebody and then I needed to charge with right. that fighter. Right. You
0: just saying it made right. it sound like you charge <laughs> and then put that same fighter on guard. So just clarifying for our listeners. Oh right right right.
1: No so yeah you know my plan was to do all four actions and right. then I sort of got distracted I guess um and just charged too early. And then I still needed to go on guard. And I did with another fighter but then you know, what I needed to do was, I, th- I think I still needed to move or something. Um, and I didn't have a way to do the move and trigger change of tactics. Um, so I had to choose between the two. Um, and I actually ch- ended up cho- cho- uh, ch- choosing change of tactics. And I'm not sure if that was the right choice either. I was just, because then I had to keep them guessing, you know, s- stuck in my hand. I, I think I ended up discarding it. Um, but that wasn't, that wasn't really anything that Dean did fall I was just not really in a condition to play that game and of course neither was he like there was a point where um, we got to the end of a a round and uh, I was like did you score anything he's like well I think I have one more activation and I was like well I think he went first he's like oh yeah I did (laughs) so that cost him like four glory in one of the games too because he thought he could still get supremacy or something so um, otherwise I think he would have just trashed me (laughs) Um, but uh, we were both kind of compromise but uh i think he won the first game um by two and then i think he won the last game by one um, one of the other things i know i did by mistake there was um well as i played this deck one of the things i sort of realized is i almost always want to go second um so i have that first opportunity to play cards All right uh, before my activation um and there were a couple times at least in that in those games where. Um, like I just forgot the plan. And, uh, I just like, I won the roll off and I was like, yeah, I'll go first and try to shoot some random ghost that isn't really doing anything and just try to kill him. Um, when that, that wasn't what I needed to do. Um, so I, I, if anything, I think that was a really good lesson. Um, you know, I need to make sure that I don't let, uh, you know, outside things like upset me and, uh, you know, affect my mood and, uh, than my gameplay,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and I just need to stick with the plan and you know make sure my combos come out in the right order. So
2: right, yeah, um, I mean de- I think that's definitely a, big a learning part of the game. experience.
0: Yeah, 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 absolutely, and I think you learned a lot from it. I mean, it's a big part of the game that people don't realize is like <coughs> external factors. Like I contribute part of right. that to my loss at Adepticon. It was just like I had never been in a position like that. There was a lot of pressure. There were some external factors that I wasn't familiar with, and like.
1: Um yeah, you know, I like, would also say that um probably a lot of it was that this is the second time that I've played Dean. Um, and yeah. he is an excellent player and he beat me <laughs> 2 of uh, the previous time at Adepticon and I was probably H-C. a little bit stressed for ACC, yeah, um, yeah. I was probably a little bit stressed out about playing him again, you know. Yeah.
0: I conversely was really looking forward to playing him because I was like, my deck <laughs> is designed to be yours, Dean. I am not losing to you again. We are going on. Yeah.
1: I don't know why you couldn't have had that match in the third round. You, you I would, would have loved it. Win by so much.
0: <laughs> I would have loved that match. I'm not saying I would have yeah. won, but I would have given him a hell of a game.
1: Yeah, it would have been rough, I'm sure. <laughs> so, but, um, so that was the that was my third game, and it is, mm-hmm. it is Always just a pleasure to play, Dean. He's uh, just a great pl- player to play against. Yeah. He's if he makes a mistake or I make a mistake, like we we would both let each other like correct it. Like we were playing, basically we were playing by intent most of the time. Yeah. Uh, and uh, just a, just always a pleasure to play him. So um, I'm sure he'll be at some of the other ones we go to in the future, and I'm probably right at oh. that top table again. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure. He's it's funny player. that we always um, play against them, and they're kind of in that way, like, our nemesis, it feels yeah. like. But... Well, a lot of
0: people have, like, akin Dean to, like, being my, like, my rival. Sure. Um, yeah. Just because, like, Cause you we... know, we've both been on podcasts and we both said, I don't think anything malicious, but we were just, like, our interpretation of how the games went were very different. Sure. And so, like, you know, Max Bernstein's always, like, egging me on. He's like, oh, well, you know, what happened last time. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's funny, but I wouldn't say... I would say yeah. If anyone's gonna be my nemesis, or any group of people will be our nemesis <laughs> in this game, to Path to Glory, it'll be like the Bills brothers and co. You know, so. sure. Yeah, um, well, they're they're
1: great uh, they're great rivals to have. If that's, yeah. Like, it couldn't be a more friendly like thing. So yeah, always, looking always great. Yeah, um, looking
0: forward to playing them in in high like you know high events. Towards the top of the bracket
1: again I right, know we'll probably see him in Nova or uh, LVO We'll probably see him I don't know if they're going to make it to SoCal But it'd be cool if they did Yeah uh, I think so, so my, uh, my fourth game was against Brandon Fields um, Who was also playing Thunder Profiteers nice. surprise, surprise. <laughs> And this was The fourth day um, And uh one thing i will say about the the format i don't mind the one day one round a day i hated but pl- it but playing at eight o'clock at night was a little bit rough for me um especially with the time difference um but having learned from the experience the night before where i just felt like you know it, i wasn't playing my best um i just did everything i could to sort of like Calm down and like when i got to the table i just like took my shoes off and like just tried to relax i took my like everything out of my pockets i took all the like the lanyard thing off my neck like i was just like as chill as i could be <laughs> um and uh then we just played some games and, I, and much like the first game that i played um it was a mirror match and i want to say that these ones were a little bit closer because I don't think the dice were so like fully in my favor, um, the whole time, like they were in that first round, Mm -hmm. uh, especially at the beginning. Um, but I think that the passivity of my deck again, gave me an edge. Um, and I ended up taking both of those games. Um, I think the first one was very close. And then the second one, if I remember correctly, the, um, he just basically the dice abandoned him <laughs>
2: oh, man.
1: um and and because it's a mirror match like it, it really you feel every single loss or every single missed attack so much more because right. like if his drag skewer goes in to kill mine and he kills with him then suddenly like he has a huge advantage because his like i look at mirror matches like a chess game where okay. you know you, you want to trade a good piece for a bad, you know, you know, you want to trade your bad pieces for his good pieces and so on. Um, you know, so if, if he, you know, if his drag doesn't kill mine and then mine kills him, then I'm at a huge advantage. And that's, I don't know if that's exactly what happened, but something like that. Um, and so, uh, but a great opponent. And we got to talk about profiteers, which was fun, but... <laughs> I think that might have been his second mirror match as well, because there were like eight of us. So um, and that's definitely something to keep in mind. I think for me, the next time I don't, I may just not bring a faction. I think I'm going to see a lot of uh, to avoid those situations.
0: Well, that's what I did, and I messed <laughs> up right?
1: there. Well, that's why it'll be Eyes of the Nine. <laughs> we'll go to the next one, and it'll be like half Eyes of the Nine. So,
0: which, by the uh, way. Tangent, but I think they're going to be a lot better once you rotates out.
1: Yeah, the, depending on what the new cards are, because they actually probably make some of the they they might be one of the best Nightball only warbands because of all their faction ability. Yeah. So, and I'm sure we'll talk about that more in the future. Um, right. So I ended up winning that uh, match uh, 2-0, which. Um, we're talking about the top eight, um, that actually managed to get me in at seventh. So I barely made it through. <laughs> and then you were at third and the top eight, I guess I'll just read it was Dean Bills, Gerard, the professor, uh, Victor, and I'm not sure how to say his name. San Franski, probably, uh, Max Bernstein, Jimmy Malini, me and Ivan Cho.
0: Yeah, I think and, you forgot me it's somewhere in there.
1: Well, you were third. Sorry, yeah. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, sorry. Um. And, man, like, everybody there is just really good.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I had heard of everybody in that bracket or at least played against them before, except for Ivan. But, like, yeah. looking at his, like, games in the BCP app, like, he right. was crushing his opponents.
1: So... Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I'm not sure where he plays, but I think he's actually he's in one of the areas where they actually report to the ITC, and I think he's pretty high up in that. So he may oh, be in California. Really? Yeah, that's what uh, Randall told me. So I don't oh. know. I'll have to look at that. But um, obviously a good player to make it there. And he actually also only lost to Dean, um, I think, in the fourth round.
2: Right.
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, when you only lose to the person in number one, that's not bad. <laughs>
2: yeah, uh, true, true.
1: Dean, Dean was, just had 2 out everybody up to that point. So, um, let's see. Um, so so yeah, that, was
0: the, that was the top eight.
1: Yep, yeah, that was the top eight. And interestingly, that was like four curse breakers.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know why.
1: Two profiteers, one mog, and uh, Thorns of the Briar Queen. So... Um, basically just all of the, or most of the good Nightball factions, and then a bunch of Curse Breakers.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, hated to see that, and, you know, I had, you know, the internet was just calming down in regards to, like, how strong the Curse Breakers were,
2: Yeah. and then they yeah.
0: posted these pictures, and everybody's just like, this is not <laughs> the, you know, representation of a healthy meta, and I was just like, oh god.
1: <laughs> well, what's funny is, I actually disagree with that, because what it is the representation of is excellent players who would probably have been in that top 8 you know almost no matter what they took. Yeah, um, I mean
0: I tend to agree, yeah.
1: I mean Jimmy had just won the previous one with Reavers. Yeah. He said he told me he he had just finished painting his curse breakers and wanted to play them. <laughs> and you know, I'm sure if he had brought any of the other Night Vault factions or maybe even some of the season 1 factions then it would have been very similar so i don't know i think it's just the, the internet but i guess uh, as we'll talk about <laughs> there were very quickly not that many curse breakers left <laughs> oh
0: god yeah okay well let's get in the game too or day All two right. or on yeah. top eight so first game yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah of course first game was against uh, a good recent friend of mine and you know someone who beat me in a final before jimmy and um We'd kind of like joked around with each other, like, what kind of deck did you build, you know? I was like, what kind of deck did you build? And um, we both, like, through our jests, like, very quickly realized we had almost taken the exact same deck. Which I thought was very interesting, but also really cool. And, and, like, at the end of the event, I, like, laid out his entire deck and mine um, after it was all said and done. And there were only, like, three power cards that were different, two objectives, and, like, four upgrades.
1: Um, yeah, yeah.
0: So, I mean, enough variants to where, like, they're obviously original, but, like, pretty, pretty, pretty similar, too. So, <clears throat> we, um, we went through the games, and, uh, uh, first game, um, it w- was not good for me. I think Jimmy kind of just got the good right hand. He was rolling really well, and I kind of just got smacked around, and then my guys just died. Um, yeah. It right. was like fifteen to four. It was like a very brutal, quick affair, to where I was just like, I don't know, just what just happened. Um, but you know, you get you get the right charges, and you roll the right number of crits, and you f- like. I think the first game I didn't roll a single defensive crit. Yeah. Um, which I mean, it happens. It's that's not why I lost, but I'm just saying, like, maybe. Well, it's kind of
2: like it's
1: kind of like I was talking about in my mirror match. Like, if your Amos charges in and then misses, and then his Amos hits, then that might be it, you know?
2: Yeah, like,
0: and, and, and and that's kind of what happened, and so I was like, oh man, you know, it is what it is, whatever, and um, but I was like, alright, let's just get into game two, and then game two, uh, I thought I was winning pretty well, it was like a very slow affair, like, we didn't really, like, I remember there was this one activation, we just both drew four cards, Um.
2: Which oh, is like,
0: wow. it's not fun to play that way but like you're, you' you how you're trying to win and um, <clears throat> uh, like when when all said was done I like very confidently put on some cards and then he was like put on some cards I think we both scored escalation uh, and then like I had scored one more thing and I don't know what he scored but 9 9 but I was on the objective so I was able to I guess get the win there uh, it was still really close oh, and wow. I was like And I was still kind of annoyed. I have to be a little bit more aggressive. Like, in both my Curse mirror matches, I was the beatdown. And, like, it's okay when you're the beatdown, right? But it was... It's not fun when it's a mirror, and, like, your opponent can win without moving. Um, And thankfully, Jimmy's not the type of person to play that way. Which, there's nothing... Again, nothing wrong with playing that way, but, like... You know, it's supposed to be an interactive combat game, and at times, you know, like... In my other right. matchups, it didn't feel like it was. So, at least in this way, I appreciated the similar similarities in our decks. But it's just, like, those one or two cards, again, like, Focal Formation and Magical Supremacy, that, like, help him win the game. Or at least tie it up. Um, so, right. we go into the third right. game. And, like, things are going my way. Like, I'm rolling crits. He's not. Like, I Hidden Path smack his Amos with my Amos. Uh, like, you know, with, like, four damage like kills her. Like, it was it was going well, man. Like... And then, like, end of turn two, like, he just got a lot of his spell cards off, which, like, helped him score a lot of his objectives. And then suddenly the game wasn't so... Like, it was, like, it went from, like, seven to two to, like, seven seven. Oh, uh-huh. wow. Um, and then I was like, okay, wow, interesting. So we were going back and forth, and then we're at this really pivotal moment in the game where, like, Amos had just charged and hit Storm Sire for three damage. And... um. It was it was good. Like I was excited because I had Strange Demise, Sorcerer Scouring, Combination Strike in my hand, and I had Gather the Storm and Sphere of Action. and Shardgale. Um, and sorry, Storm Sire had two health left. So I start things off by, and this is like this is like the this is the moment where one of us would have won and one of us would have lost. And we talked about this at length, but I'm not really sure if I did it the right way. Um, and I think. After getting a couple people's opinions, they said they would have done it the way I would have, but you know, I guess it's for you listeners to decide whether you would have done things differently. But um, I play Shard Gale, and then you know everybody's at one less health, and then he like passes. Um, or he played Crown of Avarice, and I was like, okay, so he just played Crown of Avarice, I just Shardgaled. I know he's running Shard Gale. Does he have it? And it was the third phase. He had like six cards in his hand and then like another six more in his deck. So he's got about half his deck. And so like more often than not, or more likely than not, he probably had Shard Gale, right?
1: Um, yeah, probably like a 75% chance or something. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, but for me, it was like, I have Amos who rolls one magic die. I have no innate upgrade on her. And I have Sphere of Action and Gather the Storm. So my question is, do I take the risk and like let him play a card? And if it's Shard Gale and he kills his own Storm Sire, it's fine. Or do I take like a 66% chance and see if I can win the game? Mind you, Jimmy had failed six Fulmination rolls that game, or Empower rolls that game. (laughs) Wow. So, like, I've got this, like, mentality where it's like, I mean, he just failed it six times. Do I want to take that risk? And it's also like, do I take that risk and, like, maybe lose the game? The Cavalier in me was like, just take the roll. But then I thought about it and I was like if he doesn't have it and I fail this role, I just lost myself the game. So it was a really tricky situation/internal dialogue that I had and I went with the play that secured me the win versus the play that would have won me the game had things been in my favor. That's so right. um played Gather Storm, he slammed Shard Gale and I lost the game. Um
1: mm, yeah.
0: It was unfortunate but uh as a as an aside, like I picked up the dice and rolled it, and it was a it was a swirly, it was a focus. So, would it have oh, rolled man. like that? I don't know. Right, right. But like it just validated my decision. Was there a was butterfly
1: like, in that hotel, and his wings would have made it? Yeah. You know, like who knows?
0: <laughs> right,
1: right, but right. What
0: I'm saying is like after I rolled that, it validated my play. And I looked at sure. Jimmy, and Jimmy was like sweating bullets, and obviously I was stressed <laughs> too. And he was like, dude, that was that was a great game.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. you.
0: Oh, dude, totally. <clears throat> and I wasn't even. <coughs> excuse me. I wasn't even upset I lost. Like I was in a pretty sure. good. I was like, eh, What can you do? You know, like I did the right play. So.
1: I think so. Yeah, because if you uh, we've we've talked about this a little bit. So because if you had if you had just tried it and then failed, he would still have Storm Sire, which would right. have been a massive advantage for him. This way, you at least made him take out his own Storm Sire, and then. You know, I guess it depends on how far in the game it was at that point. But uh, I don't know. I think it was. I think that's what probably what I would have done, or maybe I would have just rolled the thing and then lost.
2: <laughs> yeah. Who
0: knows? I mean, so, I could have rolled the thing and won. Right. Right. But at the end of the day, you know, it is what it is, and um, kind of crapped out that way. What about your first game?
1: Well, my first game was the <clears throat> third mirror match of the uh, the event. Nice. so uh, at this point I think me, I
0: bro I feel your pain
1: <laughs> right I think at this point I at least knew how to play it um, and I was pretty sure how the target priority worked and the um, you know just what I needed to do and that, and that because I had so much passive scoring um, that it would work um, and basically it did um, the interesting thing is that Gerard was actually playing a fairly defensive um deck as well um he had last chance in his thundric deck which i was not expecting did he have supremacy too? yeah he also had supremacy which um i think is probably a valid um idea for thundrics especially because it does um punish the other player for trying to starve you out especially if you have it on the first turn um, the thing that I don't like about supremacy and the reason I, it didn't make the cut for me was it's still just one objective. Um, so it only inspires one fighter and it's kind of a lot of work to score because <clears throat> you have to move a bunch. And what I found is that I wanted as many of my activations to at least potentially score an objective as possible. Um, so cause I actually thought about supremacy, but then decided not. Um, I actually thought about Last Chance too and decided not um, but it, uh, I actually think that might be an okay card for them because a couple of them are on dodge in the beginning anyway mm-hmm. uh, and if you can save like Iron Hell, like that could be really big yeah, um, and then huge. a 50-50 to stay alive is really not bad mm-hmm. um, I, when I was playing Guardians at ATC I, was, I had Last Chance and there were a few times I used it to save Scaffiel or um, Galligan and like 50-50 is not that bad Right, um, but um, in the first game um, it was kind of close. I think he scored supremacy in the first round um, and I scored a few um, objectives, but basically, like I said, that means that I had like three people inspired and he had one. Um, and so then in the second and third rounds, um, things basically just went my way because my guys were individually stronger, even though our score was similar early on. Um, and I think for Thundrix in particular, you really care about the number of objectives you scored, you know, particularly the first four or five. Right. Um, and so I took that first game um, by a pretty good amount, I think. And then the second game, I basically had, like, the dream starting hand, where I think I had, like, I, I don't know exactly which one I had at first, but I had it, the cards to score either cover ground or shortcut. And then when I scored that one, I drew into the other one.
2: Nice. Um
1: so, like, it was just, like, every, like, I would do an activation, and then I would score something in the power step, and that would inspire somebody else, and I would draw a new card, and then I would be able to score that card in the next activation, and, like, like it was insane. I think I had, like, I think I was, uh, I think I had scored, in, like, my whole, everything except Superior Tactician, and one other card, um, or one or two other cards, probably, by the end of the second round, um, something like that um there was a hiccup though where he i feel like he was i started to get worried i thought he was going to be able to come back um when his last chance went off on thundrick uh he saved thundrick and it denied me like death from afar and like something else you know right
2: um,
1: and uh but in that you know then he killed Iron hail and like he mm-hmm. was able to um you know make some ground back but Um, eventually uh, I guess it just wasn't quite enough after that starting hand and uh then I think his dice (laughs) they made the last chance but that was about it so um I ended up taking that one uh 2-0 um and that was his first loss of the event he was actually undefeated up to that point so um, he was a great player and he was great uh to play with too it was really really nice talking to him and uh um, just playing the mirror match Even though it can be kind of miserable
2: <laughs> Right, yeah
1: So, And that, that was really a common theme for every one of those We just kind of complained about the mirror match the whole time <laughs> Yeah, we really so, did Yeah, um, kind of funny Yeah, uh,
0: so I guess in the next round We switched opponents
1: Yeah, um, we actually did, didn't we?
0: Yeah, because I played Gerard next And
1: um, Yeah, because I think At that point um, Because it, Dean was playing Ivan And Dean actually dropped a game against ivan they had a really close game uh, match rather um so i think i was actually the top uh at that point um because you and jimmy had both or yeah jimmy had also went uh two and one with you or you t- you tied rather
0: you went to zero one so right. the, what, what made it all different I think what you're trying to say is Dean dropped a game, which made things a little bit more balanced, which put you at the top because you won by such a large margin. So you had to play Jimmy instead of, I think, the winner of, I think Max or whomever it was.
1: Right, yeah, Uh, yeah. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. I thought maybe I was going to have to play Max because Max also won. At that point, it was uh, me and Dean and Max and Jimmy. Right,
2: yep. (laughs) So uh,
0: my game two of the day was against Gerard the Professor. And uh, I saw his deck. You know, I had heard... He had actually come by the other day and, like, talked about Profiteers with us, and he mentioned he had Supremacy because I don't think he thought he was going to make it to Top 8. But regardless, I knew he was playing a defensive version of it. But, excuse me, I also know that... Like, I'm intimately familiar with the Profiteers. So I I know exactly what the person's going to do.
1: I don't know if anyone has played them... as much as you have in competitive events, maybe John Reese, maybe, or, you know, with as much success. Like, I guess you were probably not, you were probably it.
0: (laughs) Well, I appreciate that. Thank
1: you.
0: And, uh, we just kind of went into it and and off the bat, you know, I empowered and then I was like, all right, I'm gonna get aggressive. Cause like his, like I saw his expression, like soured when he drew his objective hand. So I was like, okay, he doesn't have good objectives. I'm just gonna be aggressive. And it could have been a trick but he's also, like, very vocal about his his game. (coughs) Sorry, I'm recovering from a sore throat. And then he also, like, knew he wasn't going to win the event, so I think he was just being a little bit more forthcoming with his information. And I was, too. It wasn't like I was hiding things from him, but I just was like, I know how your deck works. I know you don't have a good objective hand. I'm going to go in. And I just went in, and I started charging everything and killing everything. And then I was really trying to stop him from scoring Get the hence. So I had Seeking Stones and Hand of Sigmar on Amos, and I would throw it at Iron Hail. I would get, like, a hammer and then the innate hammer, and then he would crit defend me. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my goodness. <clears throat> so then he scored something else, and then I was like, damn it. I know. I have a feeling he just drew into get the hand. So I had one more shot, did the same thing, two hammers, crit defended me. And I was like, that is <laughs> wild. <clears throat> so it just worked out that way. Um, but I was still able to get in and just, like, fling spells around and, and just like thankfully get aggressive quickly so I won the first game 16 to 12 um, it was not as I'm probably making it sound like it was more of a blowout than it was I mean 16 to 12 is not a blowout but right, right. he like failed to get the steam going and with the profiteers like if as you mentioned if you can stop them early you know you can halt their glory progression and that's kind of exactly what I did second game. Again, um, I think I think he won boards both games, which was good because I wanted him to not have the objectives. And so we went at it again and kind of did the same thing. I probably was a bit too aggressive the second game, but at that point I think we were just laughing and rolling dice for fun because we both knew we were out of the, the winnings. And this game was a lot closer. Like he started like gaining a lot of steam towards the end. Like I thought I had him, and then like just two fighters were scoring like all of his cards. It was crazy. But then it just came down to. Like, a really cool play where I scored, like, Overpower, Strange Demise, and Harness the Storm, which, yeah, yeah. like, led me into Combination Strike and Victory After Victory. Um, kind of just took it from him, which I thought he was going to get me the second game, but I won 19-16. to 16.
1: Yeah, when those just go off like that, those, those like, combos and then the, like, win more, like, combo cards with Combination Strike and Victory After Victory, like, it feels so great. I was doing that with my Godsworn.
0: So. Yeah i mean like i know a lot of people don't like taking both victory after victory and combination strike like yeah. when i played victor the first time he was like you have both and I, was like, <laughs> I was like dude have you not read my blog like i have them in every deck i've ever made like
1: <laughs> it's a really interesting style to play because i've played it in like the Godsworn sworn and a few other decks especially before the the bar the most recent one um Uh, And I actually didn't have either of those or anything like that in my deck this time. So it felt very different. So it's... But I I like that style.
0: I'm a big fan. I think that's attributed to my success in the game. Is that I was able to figure out the whole score immediate scam faster than everyone else. Like if you look at my deck at Adepticon, Mm -hmm. I had like seven score immediates, eight score immediates. And... um, as the game has moved forward, I've just kept it around that number, if not higher, and people started to figure it out on their own. I'm not saying anyone noticed from me, but like I knew very early on it's better to get fast glory reliably so that you can ramp up and just kill your opponent, or at least hinder them to a point where they can't come back. Bruce is waiting for like end score cards, and so I've just always had that mentality when playing this game, when Nightbolt yeah. came out, and uh, it's just stuck with me, and... Maybe it's a risk. Like, I could have bricked. I could have gotten escalation, victory after victory, and combination strike. That would have sucked. But I thankfully didn't brick like that all tournament.
1: Nice. Yeah. Nice. Cool.
0: Yeah. So your second game against Jimmy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I got to play Jimmy, um, who is a great opponent. Um, And this is an interesting matchup. Um, I knew that he was probably aggressive. Uh, One of the weird, like side effects of the event being over four days is that like we do get to talk to each other a lot like during the tournament (laughs) um and so like we weren't we weren't telling each other our decks throughout the whole thing but like we would just talk about games and like everybody would have kind of an idea of what was going on you know um so i you know and 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 he's playing curse breakers and you know so he's going to be kind of aggressive he's going to have spells um And so what was interesting, though, is I think he probably thought that I was going to be a little bit more aggressive than I was, um, probably due to his experience playing. I think he had played um, Gerard before. I know he had played you at the previous event. Well, Um, Gerard
0: beat him 2-0 in the the fourth round.
1: Yeah, that's
2: true.
0: I think he was wary and cautious, but I don't think he expected you to play like a defensive style deck.
2: Yeah,
1: and, it, and the deck is actually really interesting to me. Um when it works, like it actually kind of feels silly. Um this is a bit of a digression, but like when I just draw into cover ground and I also draw into spectral wings and I also have hidden paths and then when I score cover ground, I end up drawing into uh shortcut. Like it actually feels like silly. Like it feels like I'm not even playing the game. <laughs> Um, like it feels like it's just happening. Um, and there is obviously more to it than that. Like there are a lot of micro decisions and like positioning and things like that. Um, but there are a few of the games over the tournament. Like when I say that things got out of control, like it's because I'll score like six or seven objectives in one round. Um, because I have a number of ways to score objectives in the power step, which is kind of a new, like I I didn't see too much of that before, like power unbound. Um, um, And maybe that just, like, pushed everything over the edge. But, like, I can score Calculated Risk with, like, uh, Seek the Sky Vessel. I could score it with Ready for Action if I needed to. Mm -hmm. Uh, I can score Hidden Paths uh, with, you know, two cards in the Power Step. Or I could score a Shortcut with Hidden Paths and Shadowed Step. Um, Cover Ground I scored a couple times with Seek the Sky Vessel. Like, I would put the Upgrade on Drag Skewer, um, Augmented Buoyancy, or Faneway Crystal on somebody else. And I would just play Seek the Sky Vessel and score it. And then then I would get to see what I drew into. I would have somebody new inspired. Um, one thing I did a couple times is I would put Augmented Buoyancy on Drax Skewer, play Seek the Sky Vessel, move him over there, score cover ground, inspire him, and then he would be at three damage for the nice. attack, the next one. like It, it just felt r- crazy like when it all worked. Um, and This game didn't. I don't think the first one was a blowout. Um, But I played KG and he played KG and I played Hidden Paths and like shot at his Rastus. I think he actually like sidestepped the Rastus and then I distracted him back so I would be able to shoot him. Um, And then I just like basically slowly started scoring stuff and then I moved up and eventually killed everybody but Storm Sire, I think. And then he played Hidden Paths. And then the other thing that uh, I realized sort of mid tournament was my deck has like four ways to avoid hidden paths because um, I have seek the sky vessel. I have hidden paths myself. I have shadowed step. I have ready for action and I have distraction. So maybe that's five. Um, so like, I, I don't really care if you hidden paths cause I'm probably going to just leave. Um, and in this case, he hidden paths storm sire in the back of my line next to, allenson i think um and i just shadow stepped out and nice. i was just sitting there for a round um and i just like scored other stuff like you know um and then when and then i think Stormstar ended up feign weighing back to his area and i ended up ready for actioning forward with lund or i think it was lund and then like just shot at him to score what armor and then like th- and i just ended up outscoring him that way um but that was a it was an interesting game because it just felt like when he had his mobility I just had more like I had just had more answers um, mm-hmm. to a lot of the stuff uh, like my distraction you know countered his thing and then my uh, shadowed step countered his hidden path so and then I'm just scoring things the whole time with those abilities so right it was dirty <laughs> it felt dirty um the um so then we went into the second game and this time he won boards um and I think he may have won boards. I think I won boards the first time and I had set it up kind of straight on. Um, and the second one he won boards and he longboarded me, which was the first time anyone had done that in the event. Um, and I'm not sure if it was the right thing to do, but it was, was interesting. This? Um, Jimmy longboarded me with curse breakers. Oh,
0: that's really interesting.
1: <coughs> yeah, because the way that he was bringing the curse breakers, he did have victory after victory. So, he only needed to score a few things a turn, I think. Um, but he didn't want all of my guys coming in at once because you know, maybe I would have been able to kill him. Um, and it, it worked in this game. Um, it was very close. Um, I was only able to get Lund in, I think, and shoot somebody. And then I kind of missed. And then um, he moved his guys up. And um, I think he hurt Lund, but I don't think he killed him. And I had Drax Skewer kind of like a quarter of the way up his board um mm-hmm. and then he moved uh, Rastus up I, I'm not sure if he scored vocal formation that turn but there wasn't an objective up there and he was either on it or close to it but um and then so we got to the fourth activation of the first round and everything was pretty close and I had scored a couple things and he had gotten a couple things I think and um I didn't it was this was an interesting situation where I didn't really have anything to do with that fourth activation um, like I didn't have any great targets and I didn't have any objectives that I was going to score off of anything. Right. And, um, what I ended up doing was just kind of being like, well, whatever, I'll just charge with, uh, iron hail. And so I charged with iron hail and the only, he didn't have like rapid reload or glory seeker or anything like that. So he was only going to do one damage and he was just going to hit Rastus. Um, and so, but if I had hit him, all I was going to do was, like, push him back a little bit with a knockback. Um, so it was really, like, a tiny gain, if it was a gain at all. And I just didn't really think about it, um, like, the way I should have. And then when I charged, I missed. And then that left Ironhale just sitting there doing nothing. Um, which then, in the beginning of the first round, when he won priority, he just charged iron hail killed him. He got a uh, precise use of force because he had great strength on Rastus, um, And then I think he might've got like strong start or like he got, he got a number of things and then that, you know, ended up getting him victory after victory later in the round. Um, and then that was like just my mistake. And I think when we talked about it afterwards, he said he had like shadowed step and things like that to help him set up, you know, to try to get that, those scores. Um, but like I gave it to him. And I don't remember exactly what I had in my hand, but if he had shut up step, maybe I would have been able to move out of it, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, that was an interesting lesson for me. Like I, again, I just need to follow the plan. Like right. uh, there's no reason to charge in and do nothing and risk a, a fighter that could lose you the game against a deck that, you know, is trying to score multiple objectives for a combination strike, or I guess he just had victory after victory. Um, so, you know, that was a mistake for on my end for sure. And then in the third round, um, it was still, I think fairly close. And then all four activations that I made with Thundric, I missed my attack against, uh, Rastus, uh, with Cleave. Oh, wow. I just, I think I just missed. <laughs> and then maybe he crit me once or something. Um, but uh, I just missed. And then I think I lost by six. I think it was like, uh, 11 to 17 or something like that.
2: Right. Uh, so
1: he got me that game. Um, and then we had, I think we had about 18 minutes to do the third game. Um, we were, we, we did time and we were like, I was like, you know, doing, you know, like, all right, we have this much time left. And we were trying to play quick the whole time, but it was, it was rough because they were both all our car. We had to think about all our cards and stuff a lot. Um, right. And maybe we just need to play faster. But anyway, I was like, do you think we can get uh, a third game in 18 minutes? Because at that point he would have won the, tiebreaker i think because he was up by two or three glory um over those two games and he's like yeah let's do it um and so we just tried to play as much of you know that last game as we could um he won the boards again he long boarded me and this time was just another one of those games where um i basically had like the dream hand um i drew a couple cards and then I ended up hidden pathing in. I scored shortcut. I inspired Lund, who is the one I had used hidden paths on. I shot at... That scored me shortcut. I drew into, I think, what armor. Uh
2: Uh-huh.
1: I shot Rastus or somebody with Lund, scored what armor, pushed him back one space so he was three away, equipped the uh, potion of rage, ready for action, killed him, scored uh, a death from afar, Nice. And then I think I equipped some stuff and put on escalation and, you know, then I scored escalation and then in the, or I would have, and then, um, then I played Warden resilience in the last step and he couldn't kill me. So I scored a bunch of stuff off of all that. He didn't really score anything. Um, and that was the, I guess like a road bump I needed to, um, slow down, you know, the momentum that he would have scored because, mm-hmm. Um, he ended up killing one to the next activation, but I think he probably scored something off of that, but, um, I had scored a lot. And then I think we were, I believe we were in the third round when the time ran out. Um, but because that whole first round had basically been wasted for him. Um, and I had managed to get a bunch of it right there at the end. Um, I think really, I only had a superior tactician left to score. Um, and I was ahead when the time ran out, and then we kind of talked through it, and we both agreed that um, I was going to have that game um, by quite a bit or by enough, anyway.
2: Right. Sounds like so, some really
1: close games. Yeah, yeah. It was. He was. A, he's a great player. I'm. I'm not sure if he mis. If I would say that he misplayed it. Um. I think that. I, I think that what I didn't want him to do was just be really aggressive right away. But I don't know what cards he had and stuff, so you know it's definitely possible that uh, the way he played it was right because they were all very close.
0: Yeah, I think longboarding you wasn't the right move though.
1: Yeah, that's possible. I'd be interested to see what happened. What would have happened if he set up on the line and just like rushed me? Um, Because I don't think I would have liked that, but I may have also had the mobility to get around it and just like stay away from him.
0: Well, that's really interesting, right? Because, like, you don't want to do that against any Profiteer player. Because you just score... You feed them all their glory. Right. But against your deck, it's really interesting that it doesn't.
1: Right. I mean, it would feed me glory, but... But not,
0: like, their whole deck. Like, if you did right. that against my Profiteer deck, <clears> oh, yeah. I'd probably score everything in two turns.
1: And you would also have all the extra damage you have from, like, trap and pit trap and toxic gases and stuff. Like, right. Like, you'd, yeah. you'd blow them apart. Um. I probably wouldn't have, cause I don't have any accuracy. I don't have fuel by fury. I, I have Potion of rage, but that's it. Um, so I, I just think that, and I'm probably going to score everything I'm going to score. If you don't remove my fighters. Um, like if you kill drag skewer before I score cover ground, that's just a dead card. Unless right. I get like a really good, uh, fainway crystal opportunity. um, so, I, I, you know, maybe we, maybe we'll have to play that matchup again and see what that would have been like. But
0: yeah. Um, but it but, is an interesting mind game. Like you, it's like yeah. when we made Davy play <clears throat> Tom Molog, right? Mm. Like you don't want to get aggressive with Molag, right? Um, but or play a mirror match with Molog, But in this situation, if you had, you would have probably beat Davy. Same situation e- here. <clears throat> maybe if he had gone on the line he could have maybe given you some glory but then maybe eliminated enough of your fighters to deny you a lot of other glory
1: yeah it's interesting when the cards that are available like in the set or whatever allow you to build so far into the weakness of your warband um yeah. that you're then able to like use their like they have they have what they're naturally good at like Molog is really tough and these guys are fairly tough and, uh, you know, put out reasonable damage. And they really like scoring objectives. And then you just pile in health and you pile in mobility and you pile in reliable scoring. And then it just kind of works. And then the, because it probably takes the other player a game or two to figure out even what you're doing, like, I think that it ended up being, like, a much better idea than I actually thought it was going to be. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is really You know working. what's funny?
0: I was thinking about this on the plane ride home where, you know, you had kept telling me like, I like your build. It does well, but like, this is how I would play the profiteers. And, you know, you had like augmented buoyancy and cover ground. It wasn't the same deck that you took to Nova, but it was like the beginnings of it, you know? And I kept saying like, and I don't know, I just don't like, you know, I don't like that. I don't like that. And, um, I guess, you know, shame on me, but, uh, you know, maybe if I had listened earlier, I could have at least won a Grand Clash instead of, you know.
1: <laughs> well, it's interesting, too, because, like, I think part of the reason I went so far in the direction that I ended up going was because the only games that you lost um, were when people starved you out.
2: Yeah, that's true.
1: So I, I was I think I really, like, learned that lesson through you, um, you know, which is really just why we why we do this podcast. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So you can steal my secrets. Have,
1: so I can steal your secrets. <laughs> <laughs> no, I
0: mean, you know, I'm not. I'm. I'm yeah, glad that yeah. you were able to learn from it, because clearly I did not. But and um, I think
1: we were talking with uh, Tony Field, and he was saying, you know, it's interesting. The only weakness that deck seems to have is like being passive, and um, when they starve you out. And I was like, yeah, that's true. So which is
0: what your deck or mine?
1: Ah, uh, yours. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, Tony, Tony summed it up really well. He was yeah. like, if you look at all your Grand Clash final losses, you lost because you couldn't engage with the enemy on your own terms.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess the way I was playing them, they needed to engage me. Yes. Around. So that was interesting.
0: Which is a bit of a mind game, because like the in theory, like 90% of the profiteer decks out there want you to engage with them, or want to engage with you. And yeah, you said that almost every card in your deck, except for one, you can score. Without uh, yeah. killing
1: you. I don't need a kill over anything except death <laughs> bar, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. most of it I don't even need an attack for. I need an attack for wood armor, I need an attack for keep them guessing. Oh, did I Did you shot. take
0: sound finances or did you not?
1: No, I ended up not. Yeah. I
0: wonder if that's better than keep them guessing.
1: Um, I. Probably. Well, maybe. See, the reason I like keep them guessing is because if I draw it on the first turn, which it seemed like I did a lot, um, I could still reliably score it. I would just play even more passive. I would just hide. I would try to get a charge and an attack off and, and then basically just hide right um, or pull back or put on health up, you know upgrades and stuff like that. Um, it, it's not easy to score, but it's too glory and like you get to inspire somebody and then whereas like if I draw sound finances in the beginning and I don't have you know and I draw like something else and I don't have the tools I need to get going. Um, it can be a dead card,
2: right. so
1: that's what I like about it. Is that it's almost never a dead card. It's just sometimes a slow card, um, but the reward is pretty big. So, and there's only I think only in one of the games versus Dean did I did it really feel like it was in the way. Um, sure, because because of like sometimes with a lot of warbands, um, it's really annoying to have to go on guard and uh, move, especially if you don't have a way to do it in the power step but i had two ways to move in the power step and i had ready for action to let me attack and i had rapid reload to let me attack after the charge so there was at least one game where i scored uh i've scored mm-hmm. keep them guessing in like two activations with cards and then if those cards are also scoring the other score immediately cards like um, calculated risk with seek the sky vessel or um, hidden paths into shortcut, you know that kind of stuff. Like, right. it, it, I think they're <laughs> still pretty good at it, even though they don't have a card action like, you know, the thorns or skeletons or something like that. Sure. Um, but um, I do I like. I don't mean to interrupt
0: your your train of thought, by the way. But we're almost at two and a half hours.
1: Yeah. I know.
0: <laughs> and we got we got so many more games to go through.
1: So. Um, but yeah, that was it against Jimmy. Sorry. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yep. Yep. No worries. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. Great games, well played to both you and Jimmy. So my final game of the event was uh, a rematch slash mirror match against Victor. Um, we drew earlier in the event during the Swiss pairings. And so um, I guess we were both wise to each other's tricks and kind of had an idea of like, hey, you know, if I can't get my. So like Jimmy asked me, he was like, how do you think your game's going to go? I think you did, too. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm not stressed about it. Um, Because at that point, we weren't in the running for the top table. I mean, obviously, it was the last round and, uh, you know, other people were at the top table. So I kind of was pretty casual about it, very lax. And I also didn't really care to get top four. I mean, obviously, I want to win. But at the end of the day, like, a lot of people want to get that top four spot for certain prizes. But I've just gotten those a couple times to where I suppose... The novelty has worn off. Uh, not to say that I'm being like elitist or dismissive about it. It's just something that I just generally didn't wasn't interested. Um, so sure. we played the game, and uh, I think when you had asked, like, you know, how do you think the game's going to go? I was like, if I can draw my movement and engagement cards, I can win. If I don't draw them, then I won't. Uh, because Victor just has passive scoring. And, you know, Victor, he practices with some great people, um, primarily Dean and Duncan, or at least communicates with them effectively enough to where, you know, he's able to up his level of play. Uh, Furthermore, he's been playing Curse Breakers, at least to my knowledge, since ATC. So he's got a couple months of them, uh, you know, under his belt. I mean, I knew just like that first series of games, it was going to be a challenging one, but I felt confident that, if I drew the right cards, I could win. And I was also pretty confident that if I didn't draw those cards, I wouldn't win. Um, so that's kind of how the games went, where, you know, Victor won board the first game, set it up super diagonal uh, behind the block, Texas, hiding some of his fighters. And so I kind of just had to spend some time running up the board. And I remember it was just like a really like it didn't really do much because I was either trying to get to him or drawing cards to kind of see if I could get the right cards to engage. And I did get Hidden Paths, but at that point, I think it didn't matter. And as we were talking about the game and kind of just going through the motions, you know, uh, he kind of just looked at me and I kind of just looked at him and I was like, this is like probably the most uninteractive game of Shadesfire or Underworlds I've ever played. And he kind of just shrugged and was like, yeah, dude, like, I mean, I know – it's like, but it's a tournament. And I was like, dude, no, totally get it. Like, don't have to explain yourself. I'm just I'm just laughing because, like, we're not really doing anything. And, you know, we kind of had a brief discussion on, you know, the the purpose of playing competitive, but also, like, playing decks that are uninteractive versus interactive. And, you know, I've been pretty vocal in the fact that I just prefer to play interactive decks. And not to say that there's anything wrong with playing uninteractive decks. It's just... When you're playing a game, it's supposed to be fun, and I just didn't find those series of games fun. And I, honestly, I don't think Victor did either. Um, mm-hmm. But again, you know, we just wanted to just go through it. Uh, so he got me three to or eight to three. Again, very low-scoring game. Double did not even double digits, but it just came down to did Victor get focal formation, harness the storm, and magical supremacy? Oh, he did. Okay, great. He won, right? Because His deck was more passive, so he gained game two. Of course, he wins boards again, and uh, it was a similar game. Um, I was able to draw some cards early. I got Harness the Storm very quickly, Uh, and so I felt okay. Um, But to be honest, as I mentioned earlier, like my heart really wasn't in the game, Um, and I knew that it was just like a matchup skewed against me. So I just kind of went through the motions and. Obviously tried to win, but uh, I wasn't too sad by some of the outcomes or the rolls or anything. Um, we ended up tying the game 9-9, nine to nine, but of course Victor was on an objective. And so oh, he wow. won the game, I guess, off a tiebreaker. So, you know, as we've mentioned a lot in these podcasts, or in this episode at least, uh, mirror matches aren't very fun, um, especially, I guess, curse breakers on curse breakers. Uh, it's just as you mentioned, like chess, and it just kind of comes down to who draws better and who rolls better. Um, You know, you use an analogy or an example earlier where, you know, if your Cosgon charges another Cosgon and misses, then their Cosgon hits you back. You know, like it's a huge swing. And so uh, for me, um, I guess to sum up my tournament experience, I felt very good about my deck. Sure, I didn't really practice as much as I should have. I mean, quite frankly like, day one of the event was the first time I'd played Curse Breakers in months. But I felt confident enough to do well with them, and honestly, I really feel like I could have gotten to top table if I hadn't just played Mirror Matches. And, you know, um, yeah. you know it is... Not to take away from anyone who was there. I mean, obviously, you did a great job. Dean's a fantastic player. But my deck literally would only lose to Curse <laughs> Like, Like, um... Max, like Max's Molog, like utterly wrecked Victor's Curse Breakers.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And like my deck was designed to beat Molog, right? And Thorns and some of the other meta predictions. So it's just really interesting to see how much luck goes into not only your card draws and your rolls, but also your matchups as well. And, uh, you know, you just have to play it to the best of your ability. And, I mean, getting top five in the event is something that I'm proud of. It's not where I wanted to be, but I'm not complaining with such a stacked field if that makes sense,
1: yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that um, that was one of the things that I took away from the event as well is just how much the luck of the matchups um, affects these single ev- these singles events, um, especially compared to like my previous experience, which was ATC at the team event. so I thought that was really interesting.
0: yeah. Yeah, I liked how we could plan at ATC. In mm-hmm. um, this one, it kind of just feels like, let's hope the stars align. Like, there was one event where <laughs> I, I didn't yeah. play Malog, you know, the whole event, which was nice. And then, you know, there are other events where you play, like, three mirror matches. And it's just like you yeah. did, you know? And so, I, didn't, yeah, I guess and... we didn't read the meta, and uh, we, <laughs> I at least paid the consequences.
1: Yeah, weirdly, it was, like better for me I think to hit as many mirror matches as I could so just strange just something we're gonna have to you know plan for and think about next time so yeah
0: I'm just really uh, I'm still surprised that there were that many curse breakers <laughs> yeah uh, you know and I'm, I'm also even more surprised that so many good players decided to take them
1: um yeah it's kind of a mind game like that I didn't really even consider um you know like what is Jimmy gonna take what is Max gonna take like then I really need to plan for that, you know. <laughs> so. I mean, yeah,
0: but I don't. I generally don't look at like what my like, you know, who other other good players and what decks they might be taking. Right. Um, I mean, like obviously I knew Dean would take thorns because he he like plays them mm-hmm. regularly, and sure. then I had a feeling Duncan would take Molog just because he'd been like playing them a lot recently as well, but I didn't I didn't really think about you know what Max or even you might be taking um, Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, you just got to play with what you're comfortable with and kind of create a deck that as hard as it sounds can kind of like has a chance against everything.
1: Yeah, Um, absolutely.
0: You know, I mean like I'm not like, like I said, once it gets to like the top 16 or top eight or even top two, um, everybody knows you're a good player. Everybody knows you probably deserve to be there, especially if you do it consistently. So it's all about um, seeing who just, Gets the better luck at some of these events, and some people can get the luck three, like you know, and win three grand clashes, and some people can, you know, not. It just depends, right?
1: Yeah, I think that um, I think that a lot of it is, especially in the pairing. So I think a lot of it can be luck based, and then, uh, you just have to plan, you know, try to plan around that uh, as much as you can. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, I guess we'll go into my last game, which was the final, uh, of the event. Um, I, even though I was in, I, you know, I made the top cut in seventh and I managed to crawl my way to the final, which was really cool. Um, it was a rematch against Dean. So that was exciting for me.
0: (laughs) A lot of rematches. And,
1: um, really, I just have to give Dean some kudos. Um, this was his seventh game, uh, or seventh match. And the whole time he had only dropped a single game against Ivan Cho um and that's just really pretty incredible um to be able to you know go that many rounds undefeated you know six is a lot it's more than you know the grand clashes used to be and uh he even even a- after the result of our game um he still technically had the best overall score if you just scored every game that we had so um he's always great to play um For our games, it was kind of interesting. Um, Obviously, we both kind of knew what the other person was going to do. We both kind of knew what the decks were like. Um, And it was just going to come down to, you know, who made fewer mistakes and the way that the cards and the dice behaved, you know. Um, And we went into the first game. And um, luckily, this time, I think we were both like pretty good, uh, as far as like stress and uh, his migraine wasn't acting up like it had been a couple days before. And, um, we were, we were both ready for the game. So I was glad about that. (laughs) I didn't do uh, four flights of stairs before the game either. Um, and I was feeling pretty relaxed. Um, so the first game I won boards, um, and what's interesting is you'd think that against thorns you would probably want to lose the boards so that they don't have three objectives but i actually ended up losing every single game that i played against him where uh, he won the boards and i think the reason for that is that the thorns actually have the mobility that they need to get around the skewed boards because he would always set it up diagonally and then he would just make it to the objectives through the teleports hidden paths um, just moving people forward. Um, whereas when I won boards like I did this time and I was able to set up pretty aggressively, yes, he got three objectives, but he wasn't really able to hide from my fighters as well. Um, so that was pretty interesting. He, he, um, in all of the games, he likes to use the, uh, Dwarven foundry, um, board. I forget the exact name of it. um, and he would skew it so that he, I had this like wall I had to get around through those two block tackses.
0: The shattered tower. Um, or
1: the animus I think it's forge? the animus forge. Yeah, the animus forge. Yeah. <gasps> he would take that one and then he would skew it. So the so the first game I won boards. I didn't let him do that. Um, I set up pretty aggressively, and then in my starting hand I had uh, hidden paths, I had Shard Gale, and I had rapid reload. Which is just a wonderful combo for me to have. And um, we got, you know, halfway through the first round, I played Hidden Paths, moved Iron Hail into range of a few ghosts, um, scored Shortcut, equipped uh, Rapid Reload, played Shard Gale, and just blew two of the uh, ghosts off of objectives. Nice. And then uh, that really just got me rolling. Um, I scored a few other things. He charged a few fighters in and I think it would have been close, but he missed about three attacks in a row. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Um, And then it really just swung in my favor. And so at the end of the second round, um, we actually just called the first game because it was pretty clear that I was going to win. And we wanted to make sure that we um, basically had enough time to get through the other two. Um, And we both agreed that like I had that game and there wasn't anything that. was going to be able to do. So, um, so we moved to the second one, um, pretty quickly. And this time he won boards, um, which again, I think is actually better for him. And he took the animus forge and set up defensively. And this was a really tight game, um, because, um, he ended up maddening cackling my, uh, drax skewer, which was really, really annoying because um, he's only doing two damage now, just like everybody else. Um, and that's really his main strength is once he gets to three. Um, and I actually made a mistake where I had forgotten that he was maddened and cackled and charged Varklav and hit him and successfully hit him and then only did two damage and I needed to do three because <laughs> I was going to finish him with Shard Gale. Right. Um, so then Varklav ended up getting onto an objective. He had a key another ghost was on an objective with a key and Dean is just incredible at getting those keys in the right place at the right time. Um, in all the games that we played, like it's so frustrating. <laughs>
2: um,
1: and, um, I only, I had distractions, so I was only able to push one of them off. Um, and he won by just a few glory, I think, um, because of those keys and you know, my misplay with not remembering that Draxkewer skewer wasn't at three damage. Um, and then we went into the final game and this one, I won boards again, which turned out to be good for me. And um, then the third game really was one, another one of those games that I talked about earlier where um, I just draw into like the dream of the combos that I'm trying to do. Um, and I scored uh, cover ground almost immediately and simultaneously killed the uh ever hanged which was big in this matchup because the cleave is one of the things right. that really helps him uh claw through my guys and um it very much like the first game um iron hell did a little bit of work and i uh, ended up hitting pa- putting uh, lund in the back with hidden paths and he just started shooting the ghosts and um Uh, probably what swung the game was, uh, Dean gave the queen the shade glass dagger and went into charge Thundric and then it failed. Then I was able to kill a couple more ghosts and we did actually run out of time, um, in the third game, but it was like, I think it was the third round and, you know, we were basically just going to score the cards in our hand and I was going to get superior tactician and, you know, a few other cards. So, Um, I ended up taking it by uh, a pretty good margin Um, and uh, I guess (laughs) over our five games that we played at the event I only won two of them but I guess they were the most important two sure yeah happy about that but it is interesting to me that I only won the games where I won the boards um, because I wouldn't have thought that in that matchup you know what I mean
0: yeah it's really interesting Um, just that whole concept but The Ghosts are really good at at moving around the board, especially if you kind of tech into it a little bit. And uh, I think that's why they're so strong at objective play and kind of sometimes outperform some of their counterparts in that particular style of play. Uh, Furthermore, Dean's been playing these guys nonstop since before even Adepticon. I mean, you know, I guess he knows how to use them and, and pilot them well. But my favorite part from that round was... Uh, like no everyone was giving you guys space because no one wanted to kind of interrupt and uh, yeah lo- looked over and then like we made eye contact and then you like mouthed like I think I just won um, and I was <laughs> well, like yeah I like and then I was just like I get it I got really excited but obviously I didn't want to you know create a scene or like rub it in Dean's face or whatever I just wanted to be like super like chill about it uh, and then when like dice went down and you looked at me and you're like, I just won. It was like, it was super cool. Cause for me, it was like, we kept joking about how we were going to like meet in the final, you know?
1: And, yeah.
0: uh, well, you know, jokes aside, like that was the intention, right? It was like, no matter what happens at the end of this event, someone from Path to Glory needs to win this event. Super happy for you, dude. It was really exciting. I remember I gave you a big old hug. You know, it was really cool to see that. Not only did you win your first grand battle, On the first try, but you also won your first Grand Clash (laughs) on your first try, which is really cool.
1: I'm pretty sure that I've peaked. I I think it's I think it's all downhill from here. I mean,
0: maybe, maybe not. (laughs) Who knows? Right. We still have Beast Graven.
1: Well, and I mean, you know, honestly, I couldn't have done it without you either, because you were right there with me at ATC, and then for this, you know, I think I learned a lot from you with the uh, Profiteers. So.
0: Well, oh, I, I appreciate I that. that. It's that's not really a, kind of you.
1: I know that it's not as sweet as having the trophy yourself, but...
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, definitely absolutely. mixed emotions, right? Like, oh, yeah. obviously you want to be there, but you're also happy for your friend who's there, so... It was just a little, I guess, yeah, it's just the mirror matches, I think, but... Oh, yeah. No, that I, just comes <laughs> into, like, reading the meta, right? So, I guess I didn't do... I didn't make the right read this time.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's something that we'll both learn from. And something that we definitely won't like Skip over Like I feel like we did this time So All right. I, think, uh, I think That'll be good going forward We have uh, plenty of more Grand Clashes to go to So
0: Well we have one more in Night Vault
1: Yeah, it's true
0: It's going to be a smaller Grand Clash I think But uh, nonetheless yeah. Just as important
1: In good old so- Texas
0: <laughs> Yeah, you don't have to drive far I have to drive three hours
1: yeah, yeah. Well, we, uh, you know, we can get a bunch of games in the day before or something too. So, or actually, Beastgrave comes out that day, I think they announced. So, well,
0: they said, and for everyone who is listening, uh, although our time of recording, sitting in the episode was uh, September 11th, after about two and a half hours into the episode, we decided to just finish <laughs> recording the next day. Right, so right. So we've seen all the cool Beastgrave stuff, and uh, I think it's a pre-order 21st, right?
1: Right, so presumably it'll come out the 28th, which is... Yeah, big.
0: but yeah. one thing to note is that Night Vault had two weeks of pre-order.
1: Oh, okay. So it could maybe be... Not. maybe not. It could not. be an
0: early October release.
1: Yeah, you're right. But... Uh, forgot about that. You know. Hmm. What do we know? Yeah, I guess we'll know on the 21st. But yeah. um, mm-hmm. hopefully... I guess that would actually be easier if it was the week after, because then I don't have to think about it. I don't have to... Because, you know, I mean, I'm going to buy those models and I'm going to put them together the night before and just look at them. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, I think they look great. I think yeah. some of them have gotten a little hate online, but can't please everyone. But, uh, oh, I no, like- I mean, either way, I'm pretty excited to just – if I end up going to Dallas, which I know I keep saying if because I'm really not sure. I'm, I'm, I'm honestly kind of burnt out. Um, I
1: know. I'll, I'll come down there and drag you up there.
0: I mean <laughs> – it's quite the commitment yeah it's just been a lot of events this year man since January I've been going to as sure. many as I can and I don't know if like some of you guys you know how probably have noticed I've been slowing down on the blog as well um hopefully Beastgrave can put some f- fresh like fire into the fuel if you will and kind of uh get me back up there because I don't know I'm just kind of over nine volt
1: hmm. okay cool well that's definitely something we could talk about in the future, like. What do you do when you get burned out? You know. So yeah, that's not we'll bad. Figure it out. Anything else you want to talk about for this mega episode? <laughs> if, there's uh, any, if there's still anyone listening.
0: <laughs> yeah, if there's still anyone listening, I mean, I would love to get into the Beast square stuff, but I don't want to have a four-hour podcast episode.
1: So. <laughs> I think we'll that can probably... wait till next time.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's already all out there, right? Like, what do we need to talk about? I've seen literally a thousand posts about it, so.
1: Sure. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, I think that's going to be it for Nova. It was a great event, and i uh, really excited to go next year. So hopefully uh, some of the listeners will be there as well.
0: I mean, Grandmasters, baby. Let's go.
1: Yeah, that's true. That is, that is going to be the next level. So I'm really excited for that. Yeah. All right, everyone. That's it for this episode. If you have any feedback, questions, or comments, please let us know on Facebook at Path to Glory Podcast. You can also follow us on Podbean, where you can find the show notes. Uh, Everything that we talked about should be linked in there. Um, You can also rate us on iTunes. um, Give us a review on there. Five stars is supposed to be good. It'll help people find us. And uh, just thank you for listening, and we wish you the best of luck on your path to glory. (laughs) noise noise I don't know if that will ever get old
2: no it doesn't (laughs)